New Year! Winter. Valentine. Hey, how'd you make out today? How could you do this to us after everything we've done for you? Oh, see, I made Lewis a bet here. Lewis bet me that we couldn't both get rich and put you on the poorhouse at the same time. He didn't think we could do it. I won. I lost. One dollar. Thank you, Lewis. After you. Certainly. <laughs> Gosh, uh, we're ruined. Uh, this is an outrage. I demand an investigation. You can't sell our seats. A duke has been sitting on this exchange since it was founded. We founded this exchange. It's ours. It belongs to us. Oh, well, your brother's not well. We'd better call an ambulance. Fuck him. Welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think, what it says in the tin, it's best film ever. My name is Ian. And I'm Liam. I'm Ellie. And that's really all we've got today. <laughs> Just the three of us. Yeah. Uh, trying Listen. to think of some sort of way to kind of describe us. The, the, the old three. <laughs> <laughs> the older three? Maybe that's what I, as I say. Well, older. Older. Come on, guys. Well, come on. <laughs> You're just not the youngest, so, you know, that's all. The youngest. The old, the old two and the middling one. Because, because Jordan's away, the average age of the podcast just went up, like, <laughs> three and a half years or something like that. I don't know. I still bring it down, thank you very much. Well, not, that's not how math works. If you were to combine our numbers and divide it by three, and then you add George and divide it by four, the number is higher when it's the three of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The median age has me shot out, through the roof. Much higher. Yeah, oh, absolutely it would. Absolutely it would. Mentally, not though. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the youngest. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it might be the case. So, a uh, big shout out and a thank you to anybody who's been listening to the pod. I think we're on episode 43. Three? You were going to say six. <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> I don't know for sure, but it's 43. It feels right. I, I, don't just, know. I just throw numbers out, don't I? You do. It, it is 43. Oh, wow. Look at that. Oh, well done, you. Oh, I try. Yeah. <laughs> why they let me host <laughs> uh thank yous uh to the usual sort of things um we we charted in the united states in great britain yay yeah we're doing all right in britain actually top oh, top cool. 50 i'll tell you that yeah it's yeah, all right yeah canada Wonderful. canada the germans yeah good and the swiss yay. yay so thank you again thank you we're doing quite well in switzerland the, i don't know we just seem to have that appeal that we the do. Swiss, thank you they're looking for a like 75 percent british 25% Canadian podcast. Yeah. So I have to apologize that the ratios are now 66 and 33. Mm. You got 8% more Canadian content this week. <laughs> Deal with it. Deal with it. Uh, last week, a fantasy football regular season. So that's good. Liam, you, you, you. I kicked your butt. You kicked my butt. Last yeah, week, boy. you were like, I'm going to lose. Oh, I know, right? And I was like, oh, no, no, don't feel so bad, Liam. You might not lose. And then, no, no, you definitely didn't. You definitely beat me. I did. Yeah. So I handed your ass on a plate. That's. <laughs> It was not pleasant. <laughs> uh, Ellie, you still just lost once. Yeah. And you, yeah. Were, and, you and I are playing today. Yeah, it's looking good, looking good. It's looking good for you. It's not looking good for me. <laughs> but I think it's one of those things where the, the four teams are in the playoffs are in the playoffs. There's no big, ooh, what's going to happen today? No. And I think uh, defining Disney seventh, <laughs> and we have uh, Alex from that song, that movie, in eighth. And I think without a miracle, uh, Alex from that song, from that movie, will finish in last place. At least I'm not See, lost. 
the irony is, despite me having a three point lead in the um in the league so far, you're gonna have to explain to me what the playoffs even mean. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, you, you will the top four teams qualify, so you will play the fourth place teams. That will be either myself or it will be Georgia, depending on how today goes. I see. So we could have a rematch next week, and then if you lose, you're out. So <gasps> you, you could do that thing where you dominate all year long mm-hmm. and no. then lose at the wrong time, and it all means nothing. <laughs> oh, but, but I'm so far ahead. I know you are. Sometimes, this is the cruelty of fantasy football. Sometimes the oh. fantasy gods are not our friends. So, so I might just win. So we, we, we may have a correction in the uh, overall standards of the time we're still finished. Yeah. Speaking of reflections and corrections, that brings us up to last week's thing. And when Ellie chooses a film, usually I go, oh, why are you watching this? <laughs> and that does really, really well. Coraline, not so much. Really? <laughs> Coraline was not. I think Coraline's one of those things that you have to be into that style to even approach it. Yeah. And I think that's reflected in our audience to a degree. I mean, it's, it's not all right. It's not all right, but it's not did, kind of the standard we usually do. Did you uh, tweet back out to that massive Coraline fan base that skewed our I did. Rankings? I did. I, I, I need <laughs> Ethan to do it, apparently, is the answer. And it's <laughs> like screwing a poll. They're all over it. But it's like, hey, listen to the review. That, based on that poll, not interested. Really? Come on, guys. But, wow. but we made good. We made good on our debt. We promised. And we promise did. is a promise. So mm-hmm. we kept that promise. I would also like to point out that Coraline was not one of my regular picks. It was merely my Halloween choice. So therefore, my, my picks are still superior. Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, so uh, one thing I did notice, though, and I was just doing, uh, I don't know how I stumbled upon it, is that Coraline was originally supposed to be a musical. Really? So that song that I really liked, the song yeah, by yeah, Other yeah. Father, like it was supposed to be like one of like seven or eight songs. Like yeah. seven or eight songs were written for that. Wow. And when they decided to go with a darker tone, they went, well, it can't be a musical anymore. Which, yeah, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to do that many yeah. like ominous songs and still have it like yeah. worth being a musical. So, yeah, yeah. So, just, that. so that was just something I came across. Uh, time for shout outs. We love our shout outs. We do indeed. Big first shout out to friend of the podcast, Richard, hey. who recommended us to his boss. His boss listened to it, yeah. said he has a new favorite podcast. So I'm going to say, if I was Richard's boss, I think he should be giving Richard more money. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to use this platform to subliminally just say, give Richard more money occasionally give throughout. Richard, more money. Richard should get more money. <laughs> just every now and again, just drop it in. Every now and then, just sort of throw it in. Uh, the Spy Hards podcast. Love those guys. Uh, yeah. They did labeled us podcast recommendation bros. Yay. I'd say that. Yeah. Digging in the Dome, they keep recommending us, as does Carlo at Thief CGT. He does good work. Uh, the Paul and Griff show, and they still love us despite the fact that uh, I, I I sort of ruined their cover <laughs> by by revealing some you know identity of first name and last name. Yeah, it's a danger of uh, commenting on a Facebook live show. We get to see both names. I know. No, it, right? it wasn't exactly super secret though, was it? Well, I, I, they sort of they sort of went. You kind of outed our uh, our secret identity. I'm like, you're about as clever as going out. You know. I'm Batman. One of them, my secret entity. <laughs> my first name is Bat. My last name is Man. We have a new listener named Corinne McCall, who, sorry, Corinne Marcou. Um, and she listened to uh, Moulin Rouge and said she was fascinated by the details of the movie she didn't know or, 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 or would have otherwise known. Your show left me contemplating the movie and wanting more. And so I said, do you mind if we share this? And she was like, absolutely. So thank oh. you very much, new listener Corinne yes, Marcou. Thank you. Uh, Lestat, friend hey. of the podcast, totally agrees with me about Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> he says, uh, no. can he still call himself British? Uh, I don't know no. if I'm allowed to call myself British. I mean, I have a passport, <laughs> one of the purple ones, maroon ones. Well, I don't know if he can. He's a bit of a hullion. 
Is he? <laughs> uh, but he loves Nightmare Before Christmas, so that's where he and I differ. Mm-hmm. And that's our shout-outs for the week. So thanks Love a lot, all those peeps. We got some more people coming out in the other sort of sections, but yeah, looking forward to this. Um, trading places. Um, mm. I, Ellie, I'm going to take a guess. I think we talked about it, but I don't remember it. I'm going to guess you haven't seen this before. I haven't, no. Okay. Uh, Liam, you've yeah. seen this before. How long has it been? About six, seven years since I've seen this. Probably the same for me, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I'd have seen it a long, long time ago when I was a kid. But Yeah. This yeah. was in my rotation. Like, I own the DVD back in Canada. I yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, liked it. It's, 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 a, it's a fun movie. Uh, it's... It, 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 I'm not going to say it's not without its problematic features, and we'll talk about uh, yeah, that as know, we right? as we go through. But that was that, you know. And it's kind of weird to see a world where Eddie Murphy's still like a young up and comer. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to ruin the age game. I'm saying he's not <laughs> as <laughs> he's not as old as he is now. That's yeah, how time yeah. works. So when I say a young Eddie Murphy, this is one of his early movies. <laughs> this Ruined. this is his second film. Oh wow, yeah. So um, there's some of that, and seeing him there, and especially oh, I'm gonna I, I will get to that. I was, uh, was going to sort of let I'll that have percolate. A guess. I'll have a guess. Have a guess when we get to it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, um, and so it's really weird to see, especially because Dan Aykroyd's kind of leading this. Yeah, he is, yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting, um, some of the decisions that were made uh, about that. Ellie, what did you know about Trading Places going into this? Um, literally nothing, just what you said in our um, Christmas roundtable last week. And that's a great <laughs> so. because some people have gone... What do you guys think about Die Hard? What do you guys think about Lethal Weapon? What do you mm. guys think? And I'm like, well, we answered all these questions yeah. on the Facebook. So I'm going to go ahead and say, if you haven't already, go to facebook.com slash bestfilmeverpod and check out the live show. You can even see what we look like in real life. I apologize. Yeah, me too. <laughs> for me. <laughs> I apologize for the hair. <laughs> so um, that's that. Um, so I was excited to go back and give it a watch again, as is evidence of the fact that it was Christmas season. We went, okay, we need, we need to sort of follow and start watching something. Um, let's jump into the context, shall we? So directed by John Landis, John Landis, who also did amongst other things, animal house blues brothers coming to America. I've got Mm -hmm. a sequel coming out. It is. Yeah. Yeah, Direct to Amazon. Uh, Amazon women on the moon. You ever see that? Speaking of Amazon, Amazon, you ever see Amazon on the moon? It's like a series of sketches. It's almost like you had to pay for like an episode, like an all-star episode of like Saturday night live. Oh, okay. It's just sketches. And then as the movie goes on, the sketches start bleeding into each other. Yeah, so yeah. these recurring gags start showing up in the wrong sketch. It's 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 quite clever, but there's no way it like would qual- I looked it up. It doesn't qualify. But uh, oh, okay. And Eddie Murphy's in that. He's got a nice little. He uses the opening bit in that. Did um, John Landis do Thriller? Uh, he actually directed Thriller. It was ah, his first yeah, music yeah. video oh, okay, he ever directed. Yeah. Cool. Uh, he directed Oscar, which is a lovely little film with mm-hmm. Sylvester Stallone. Not seen. Oh, that. I love that. Oh, really? It's, it, critically, it's kind of pan. I don't know why I'm so different, but it's one that most people go, "It sucks." And I'm like, I really like it. He's like a guy who's trying to go legit. He's like, a, he's like an ex mobster. Yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, there's like all these bags going into his house, and if you, and they're, they're all identical. So if you go into one bag, it's like the maid's like underwear and clothing and laundry but another one it's got like uh you know um test papers because he's trying to pass another one's got like boring legal briefs everyone's got like (laughs) dirty money and so the fbi are like staking out the house and they can't keep track of all these people who are coming in and of course they've all got like madcap sort of mistaken identities and and they can't follow what's going on and so it, it all sort of blows up in the end 
That sounds good. Actually. Tim Curry is really good. Tim Curry oh, is wow. like this. Um, he's giving like he's trying to give Sylvester Stallone elocution lessons. <laughs> so he's like, oh no, you want to say it? It's, it's like kind of like My Fair Lady. You yeah, want yeah, to yeah. say it like this? And Stallone's like, all right, so uh, okay, <laughs> <I> do, uh, <laughs> you've got me with Tim Curry and yeah. Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Two yeah. people are not expecting it's, a movie. <laughs> oh, it, they're great opposite, opposite each other. It's, it's a really fun little, little flick. I want to see. This. Um, and also, Landis directed uh, Black or White. Michael Jackson. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with Eddie Murphy. My baby. No. No, it's just Michael. That's that Liberian, Liberian Girl he does. Is it? Yeah, Eddie Murphy's in that. Don't know that one. Yeah. Um, film was written by Timothy Harris and Harshal Weingrod. And in the 1980s, uh, Timothy Harris, who often played tennis, against two wealthy but frugal brothers who regularly engaged in a competitive rivalry and betting. Following one session, Harris returned home and uh, was frustrated with the two of them and concluded they were awful. And it gave him the idea of two brothers... Uh, having a bet over the idea of nature versus nurture. And therefore, we get the film we have today. Oh. Uh, he also drew inspiration from his own living situation. He lived in a rundown uh, area uh, near Fairfax Avenue in L.A., where he described the area as grim, in grim terms as crime-ridden, where everyone either had a gun pointed at them or had been raped. Wow. That's a pretty bad part of the yeah, town. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the script was sold to Paramount Pictures under the title Black and White. Yeah, let's see. Not a great title. No. Because it flat out says in the title black people are prone to, um, you know, negative behaviors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And white people are, you know, although you could, you could argue there's a social message here, but if we gave uh, yeah, yeah, the black yeah. community the same things as the white community, but I think you have to be really careful before you just say all black people are and all white people are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And I think that's kind of. So definitely not a good title, and I'm glad they ch- – I think Trading Places is a much better idea. I agree. I totally agree. Much like us. I think it does what it says in the tin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Paramount executive Jeffrey Katzenberg, who would later go on to work at Disney, offered the project to John Landis, and Landis disliked the working title, if you can believe that. <laughs> uh, but he thought it was really cool to – he thought it was similar to like screwball comedies of like the 1930s mm-hmm. and wanted a bit of that. Kind of like Oscar, like what I'm talking about there. It was kind of a screwball-y kind of, kind of – uh, kind of comedy and he liked the idea of satirizing social classes and social constructs and he wanted to reflect those uh, concepts in the 80s and basically came how do you make that work in the 80s simple you have them swear a lot and yep. you have a lot of nudity yeah I, I, I didn't realize I, there was so much I, nudity in it. i forgot this film had as yeah, much nudity as it does yeah um, yeah there was a lot of boobs on display but jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry michelle um <laughs> Landis admitted it took him, and he took him a while, he says, to figure out uh, how the finale worked. And we'll talk about that definitely as we get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the principal photography took place from December 82 to March 83, entirely on location in Philly and in New York City. And a guy named Elmer Bernstein scored the film using uh, Mozart's uh, opera, The Marriage of Figaro, as an underlying theme. And the script, that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, we, we talked about it yeah, yeah. when we were watching it. Mm-hmm. And the script underwent some minor changes throughout filming. Uh, some improv was encouraged. Uh, changes were normally discussed, but some ad libs were made it through. And uh, in response, and we'll talk about this as we go through, obviously. But in response to 2020, George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, the movement that took place this summertime, um, Sky here in the UK uh, listed as one of 16 films. And the, these 16 films now run with a disclaimer that says this film has outdated attitudes, language, and cultural depictions, which may cause offense today. Mm-hmm. And I think accurate. A little bit. Yeah. I think accurate. Yeah. And I think – because at the end of the day, I think I'm the one who chose this in a manner of speaking with the sort of hat of going, it's the right time, it's Christmas, it's this, it's that. Yeah. But kind of went 
you know, I still think if you go, it's got bits that shouldn't exist in this film, and we'll talk about them. But I still think it's, I still really enjoyed watching it. Yeah, same. Yeah, so we'll sort of uh, jump in, shall we? Yeah, I think for the for the eighties, it's it's got some. It's it's like it's trying to put a good message out there, but then it's also got so many bad racial bits. Well, in when it, it gets well. to one specific bit, I'm going to talk about that because I have a I have a theory as to why we don't hold this to a higher, why we don't punish this as much as some things are. Yeah. So let's start. Um. So we open the film with shots of Philadelphia and the score from the uh, Marriage of Figaro underneath it all. And lovely. It is lovely. And we get this juxtaposition of here's regular working people and like and, and not only working people but also like homeless people and yeah. like people around a fire and that typical 1980s burning trash can fire look, which we talked about so lovingly in The Crow. <laughs> the romantic that comedy the romantic comedy, comedy. Yeah. Uh, and uh then we juxtapose that though with shots of historical philadelphia statues the 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 bell of liberty also known as the liberty bell <laughs> <laughs> and like these these lovely like manor houses yeah and so uh we noticed uh liam you noticed the rocky street really yeah. quickly the street in the market where he the runs markets, down yeah and then i was about halfway through going i'm sure they show the. and just as i'm saying this the rocky statue pops up that's so like, cool that's what i'm talking about i'm sure they show that see i don't remember that watching it previously no and yet i've seen the film probably about six seven times over the years and i never even tweaked i wonder if we're just so t- attuned to tuning out of opening credits. Yeah, maybe. And we just go, yeah, I'm not seeing anybody who I saw on the poster yet, so it can't be important. Because I hadn't remembered the Rocky Street until I saw it, and I was like, oh, my God. And there was a few things in this film where I was like, oh, I never noticed that before. Oh, if, what's that? If we hadn't reviewed Rocky a couple months ago, I wouldn't have picked up on the Rocky Street. I, I wouldn't think, have recognized it. Yeah, I, Ali, I, did, did you recognize it was the Rocky market? No. No, there we go. Did you see the statue? Uh, no. <laughs> see? <laughs> did you watch the film? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched it and I still haven't. But it's so when you see it, it's so like uh, yeah. You you so notice it, don't you? You do. You do. And yet like I said before, in the past I've watched this movie and I've I've not seen it before well, I've seen it, but I mean I haven't seen I didn't make the comparisons. And I went until this time watching it, I was going, Oh yeah, look, that's that and that's yeah. that. I think when you start to review films you start to notice things more because i'm certainly looking but, at things but you didn't notice the two things we're talking about <laughs> no but i had never seen rocky before we reviewed it and i've never seen this film before but other things that i watch i'm going oh god that script is terrible and, oh, okay. oh that's a really interesting use of animation there and oh that was a jump cut and oh like just little things that we talk about that yeah. i would never have ever noticed before and now i'm super critical of stuff yeah, I see films I'm, differently. So I watch things I'm, I'm, like, mm. I'm much more aware of pacing. That's the big thing I think I've, I've brought to it this time around is going, okay, mm-hmm. you're standing too long on this part or that part or that part. Um, So, oh, I think Oops. something might come up. Go ahead. For me, it's um, it's exposition and things. Oh, uh, lazy exposition. Something the other day and there was this massive voiceover over the top and I was like, oh, no, this I don't mind, awful. I don't mind voiceover because voiceover literally tells me this is the exposition part. Yeah. It's when characters try and do it in like lazy conversation. <laughs> well, this, was, this was bad. This okay. was like the middle of series two of something. Oh, okay. It was, it was not good. And, it was um, his dark materials for anyone who's interested. Okay. Well, um, first character we meet in this is Coleman whose name I did not get. Something Denim, I think his name is. Yeah, I've seen him in something before. His name is uh, Denim, D-E-N-H-O-L-M. Yeah, Denim. Denim 
Elliot. Denim Elliot. Okay. Mm. So Denim Elliot, who I thought was really good in this. I thought he was really good in this. It, it was a weird middle line because he had to be all things to all people at all times. And he's the one guy who's not – he's very much in the middle. Mm. He's the one guy who's not a caricature. But he's also the one that takes one side more than the other. Yeah, but he does jump a little bit back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Originally, they wanted either Sir John Gilgood. Oh, yeah. For this, who you might know from I – mean, I know him from Arthur. That's how I know him. Yeah. But he had a long film career before yeah, he that. Yeah, did, yeah. Or um, Ronnie Barker. Wow. Of two Ronnie's fame. I'd love to have seen that. But he would not do anything. That, he does not do any film or TV project that requires him to travel more than seven miles from his home. Yeah. <laughs> so he's not going to Philly. That's crazy, <laughs> he isn't lives it? in London. Yeah. <sighs> well, I thought that Denim Elliott looked a bit like an aged version of Craig Revel Hallward. I don't know who that is. I didn't think you would. He's he's a judge he's on Strictly judge Come on Strictly. Dancing. Yeah. I thought he might look a little bit like a younger version of, uh, oh, Ralph Bellamy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you take about 20 yeah, years yeah, off him. Yeah. yeah. And the first main character, I guess, the main, main, main character we meet is Lewis Winthrop. We do. Or uh, Winthorpe, not Winthrop, Winthorpe. The third. The third. Mm-hmm. But, he's an, <laughs> but, but he's like an orphan or his parents died young or something like that. <laughs> And uh, this is where you're going to find out the original casting. Because the minute I tell you one of them, you're going to guess the second one instantly. Oh, okay. Originally imagined as Gene Wilder. Oh, Richard Pryor. <laughs> <laughs> you can see it. I can, yeah. And when that fell through, they cast Aykroyd because Landis had worked with Aykroyd before. Uh, Landis wanted Aykroyd uh, because he'd worked with him on the Blues Brothers. Yeah. And the experience had been positive. And Landis said he could easily play Winthorpe. You tell him what you want and he delivers. And I thought he'd be wonderful. Paramount, Paramount didn't like anybody who they cast in this film originally. Really? Yeah, Aykroyd actually um, had like some flops okay. building up to this. Like, people were starting to wane on him as a legit movie star. But they felt that he worked better as part of a duo. To which point I'm going, have you read the script? This is clearly a film about yeah, yeah, yeah. duos. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. by himself for large portions, but he's also opposite, you know, Olivia and he's yeah, as well as Billy Ray. I mean, there's, there's, there's people who he gets to play off of. Yeah. And, um, Do you mean Ophelia? Yeah, I say Olivia. Sorry, Ophelia. And um, they felt that uh, Ackroyd working alone would be like Bud Abbott from you know uh, Abbott and Costello Stella, yeah. working without that double partnership. But Ackroyd did agree he would take a pay cut if he could have the role. Oh, yeah, I can see that. It's kind of like that thing. Do I want that shirt? No, it's 40% off. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This thing I didn't want, all of a sudden I really would like. <laughs> Um, and so, I mean, oh, he's really unlikable in this open sequence, isn't he? He is, yeah. But he's supposed to be. He is. You, you've got to watch him a, fall. Yeah. In a funny way, though, I think. I mean, he's getting shaved. I mean, poor. He, I love the fact that Coleman does everything. Yeah. Coleman does mm-hmm. everything. So Col- Coleman juices his orange juice, takes his <laughs> food up, wakes him up, then shaves him, then brings him his newspaper, picks out his suit for the day. Uh, we find out Penelope will be dining with him that night, and Penelope's picture is framed as he's getting shaved mm-hmm. off to the left. And then he leaves the house, and as as Win- Winthorpe leaves the house, the score is bloody great. It's this it's this marriage of Figaro sort of rift kind of score, but it's it's perfectly used here to get them the idea of money and opulence yeah, and wealth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. This bit where he leaves the house was my favorite bit when he um, stands outside the limo and just waits for so, someone to walk all the way from the house to come and open so, the door. So Coleman has to open the door of the house 
for, for Winthorpe to walk out of. Winthorpe walks down to the car and waits. <laughs> Coleman has to get down, put on his driving gloves, put on his little driver's hat now because now he's the chauffeur. Yeah, he's and then he has to open the door for Winthorpe. I'm like, you can't even open your own door, man. But again, you've got to not like him, haven't you? But it's the amount of time in between oh, as well because it's not just it's, like there's someone waiting there to open the door for him, but the fact he actually like just doesn't even think and it's not oh, mul- i could just get in myself and it's not multiple cuts so by keeping it on one shot without a cut it's good it exaggerates it that does. time yeah. and yeah. we get to feel uncomfortable just like <laughs> I, you know the theory i guess just like acroid should yeah, yeah, yeah but doesn't yeah it's really you, good and then the next bit you get as well as him handing his coat and stuff to to the people in the in the office and yes. doesn't even acknowledge them so you've said that my notes just say a bit more succinctly he's a dick <laughs> <laughs> they're all going good morning and the first couple he's like good good morning elliot or something and then it goes good morning and then it goes mm. Mm, yeah <laughs> and he walks down it's again it's this lovely long shot of him just like from way overhead extreme long shot he's walking down this corridor and I mean, they must have done all the audio and post or something like that yeah but it's just really well done and he sits down on a, at his desk and there's the same picture of penelope, penelope and he goes and he starts his day. And then the music gets even more posh because we're going to the Duke's house. The Dukes. It's them Duke boys. <laughs> it's the good old boys. <laughs> Never meaning the harm. <laughs> um, and so our own Dukes of Hazard here, yeah. um, Mortimer and Randolph Duke. Yeah. Uh, Randolph played by Ralph Bellamy and Mortimer played by Don Amici. Don Amici, yeah. There's a great story here. Oh, okay. Too. Yeah. So Ralph Bellamy was the first choice for Randolph. So that was the easy one. Yeah. For Mortimer, Landis wanted to cast an actor famous in the 30s or 40s who was not already associated with playing a villain. So it would be a bit of a surprise. Oh, okay. His first choice was a guy named Ray Millen, but couldn't pass, that guy couldn't pass a physical to qualify for the insurance. So as the start date got closer, Landis thought of Don Amici. But the casting director said that Amici was dead. <laughs> now, this is on the internet. You can't just go to Wikipedia and look up, is he alive or is he dead? Yeah, Let's yeah, see yeah. what he's tweeted in the last five days. It's like, oh. So they go ahead and they contact the Screen Actors Guild in order to try and locate him. And they confirmed Amici had no agent. His royalty payments were being forwarded to his son in Arizona. They're like, wow. This feels like he's dead. Yeah. Uh, Landis accepted the evidence, therefore, but Amici was deceased. But after hearing of Landis's search, one of the secretaries at Paramount Studios mentioned they saw him uh, regularly on the San Vicente Boulevard. So there's, I see him when I see him as I as I drive. <laughs> I see him around. That's crazy. So Landis called directory assistance. They basically basically did like a, like a, a yellow pages search or a phone yeah, book yeah. search for a Diamiche in the area, and they made contact and they actually got a hold of Don Amici. He'd not featured in a film for over a decade. And when they said, "Why haven't you done?" They said, "Why haven't you been in a film of the last decade?" He said, "No one's offered me film work." Because well, everybody thought he was dead. That's mad. <laughs> then to think on, then he went on to do like um, Cocoon and yes! stuff. You know, that's crazy, isn't it? Like, what else could he have made if people didn't think yeah. he died? And didn't he do Batteries Not Included as well? Is that him? I don't know. I saw he, that he a long a, time ago. He done a string of movies after yeah. that. I get, this this restarts his career. Yeah. Yeah. I- I totally forgot that you told me this until I was doing the age game afterwards, but I'm very, very grateful that he went on to do Homeward Bound afterwards. Yeah. Actually, I remember he was my favorite. When it was time for what was your favorite character, he was mine. Yeah. I thought Don Amici steals the show in that film. He's lovely. He's great. Lovely, um, lovely. Bellamy and Amici cheerily admitted they were unfamiliar with either Eddie Murphy or Dan Aykroyd's work. <laughs> but the two also said, 
that Murphy and Aykroyd acknowledged they weren't familiar with Bellamy or Amici either. <laughs> That's fair enough. I'm um, surprised if Amici hadn't done anything for 10 years. Yeah. And so they always wear matching suits, the two brothers, and tie patterns. The only difference is that Randolph wears a bow tie and Mortimer wears a full-length necktie. Yeah. And I liked this because, A, first off, they have, like, they come down the stairs, and it's the stairs that, like, break off on each side. So that's lovely. But you have a different butler for each one. So they, yeah. they've, they've all got their own uh, Coleman, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. And as they leave, all it's, it's almost like something out of, like, Downton Abbey. Like, all the staff are, like, waiting Lines, to say, to say yeah. goodbye. And they're going, good morning. I mean, so, good morning, good morning, good morning. And they ignore them outright as well. All and you go, them, yeah. okay, so this is an idea. Money equals um, – Dickishness. Dickishness, to put it in an academic yeah. term. Yes, dickishness. <laughs> um, and so at this point you go, okay, if you want to nature versus nurture, fine. These guys have obviously had a hand in nurturing Winthorpe. They're, and we see what everybody at the club and everybody at the exchange and how they all act. So obviously money equals dickishness, mm-hmm. to put it the way Ellie so simply put it. Eloquently. Very well done. Yeah. Thanks very much. Um, and this is <laughs> – I will say this. There's some lazy exposition in this part and in various parts of the movie where Ralph Bellamy is just like non sequitur. He goes, no, no, no. He's got it all wrong. <laughs> like, what? Oh, this guy here has won the Nobel Prize. He's talking about you know, environment. It's, it's, it's not hereditary. It's, 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 it's environment. And I kind of respect Mortimer. He's like, I just want to make money. Yeah. That's all I want to do. I don't care about your science experiments. Um, and they argue about whether Winthorpe is ready about some pork belly predictions. And they're like, I don't trust him. And then Melody says, just, 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 just wait a moment. And the prices go. And he goes, ah, see? He's, he's always got a big calculator. He's just hitting like random buttons. There's no way he's hitting the buttons you need <laughs> no. to hit. Because like, we need to have your prop for this one. <laughs> and he's like, he just made us $300,000. And it's like, this makes sense if this is the only time they've ever had to trust Winthorpe. Which I get the feeling they've trusted him before. You'd think so. so. Why, yeah. It seemed like the movie needed us to, Maybe the movie needed us to see he was good at his job. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know why we needed... Why couldn't both of them have been like, Winthorpe's got this. Yeah. But it's going up, not Winthorpe. Or have a third party. Have yeah. someone who's not the brothers. Yeah. I know you need to be cantankerous. I mean, Stadler and Waldorf. I know you need that. But have a third party. Have some of the exchange going, no, no, no. You watch. You watch. Yeah, I've seen him in action. And you could have this way. This is me already fixing the movie. Okay. So this way you can have Mortimer say that's because he's good stock. He's a smart boy. He's got the the smarts. He's an intelligent boy. Of course he gets it right. And you can have Randolph go, no, it's because of his education and it's because of his upbringing. And they can both argue still their sides of this great debate without having one of them go. And still champion him. Yeah, without one of them going, I don't think he's going to do this job yeah especially because donna michi's gonna be the one who really champions how good he is yeah like randolph's the one who's more like well he's just had advantages it's crazy yeah i just thought yeah there we go already fixed the movie and we're like see three scenes in we should do a remake we should (laughs) trade in more places Uh, um and so Winthorpe is and they cut to winthorpe and he's in this one decision and he's packing up he's done for the day he's going to the exchange yeah he's going to the club and the Dukes pull up to the club and meet a beggar, Billy Ray Valentine. Yeah, Eddie Murphy. Originally imagined as, can you guess who it was again, Liam? <laughs> Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor. But that fell through. Now, I heard, I found something that said Pryor got severely injured after setting fire to himself while free-basing cocaine. Yeah, he did. 
So as a result, the decision was made yeah. to cast someone else, as you would. Yeah, because he talks about it in his live stand-up. Does he? Yeah. I mean, Richard Pryor's older than Eddie Murphy. A lot older. By a good 15 years minimum. If not more, yeah. Yeah. So I think the youthful energy of Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd, yeah. I think is Wilder's older than Aykroyd. I don't think that would have worked well with uh, Pryor and... Um, no, Pryor, Dan, Pryor, Dan and Wa- yeah, Pryor and Wilder have to be a, have to be a, a double act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was the right decision to go this way with with Aykroyd. Yeah, Mitch. absolutely. Yeah. If you couldn't get one, don't don't take don't the do other. It. Yeah. yeah. And so Paramount Pictures suggested Eddie Murphy, but then they went, oh, maybe not, because they were unhappy with his performance in his first film, which had not yet been released and was called Forty Eight Hours. Forty Eight Hours Yay. with Nick Nolte. <laughs> I like that movie. Uh, a film also conceived as a Richard Pryor project. Was he? So maybe Richard uh, Eddie Murphy is to Richard Pryor that Richard as Richard Gere is to John, John Travolta. Travolta. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but when the film was well received by preview test audiences, they went, "All right, put Eddie Murphy in the film." He is so good in the younger days because he's so off the cuff. Oh, in the mid eighties, so... he's so fresh. Yeah, and this is a time around eighty three. You're starting to see people like Broderick. And you're seeing Tom Cruise and you're yeah. seeing Eddie Murphy and they're all jumping to the fore in a way that we wouldn't see again until like the mid nineties. And I'm right in thinking that um Saturday Night Live, once the main cast had left, like um Chevy Chase and stuff, it was kind of flagging until Eddie Murphy came back. Um, Eddie Murphy came in. Eddie Murphy came in. Because Chevy left after one season. Right. And Eddie Murphy kind of became the second star they had. And he made it really, really big. I've and never... didn't leave right away. Oh, okay. And because he didn't leave right away. He, people had to sort of watch him walk around, and maybe he got a little, maybe a little big for his britches because he's a young man, yeah. and he's got the world by by the tail. But he said that he felt that people resented him for not being kind of one of the group. And it's like, well, what do you want? Do you want him to leave, like Chevy Chase did, or do you want him to stay? But you can't say stay and don't do the movies. Yeah. Like people have, you know, he's got the right to try and do more. People are willing to give him that. I don't, you know, play the hand you're dealt. Yeah, I think if you give people an ultimatum, it's going to go one way or the other. Yeah. Where if you just let it go and just say, well, have a go and then come back. Yeah. You know, you, it's better, I think. So while American audiences were aware of Eddie Murphy, Landis was not. No. Um, so he had begun beginning, uh, fame on SNL, like we said. And after watching Murphy's audition tape, Landis was impressed enough that he went to New York City to meet him. And there's rumors about whether it was 350000 or a million dollars. Murphy claims three fifty was what he Quite got. A big jump. Wow, that's a big jump. Yeah. <laughs> it's not much money. No. For back then, like, I know movies aren't what they were, and we'll talk about that at the end when we talk about kind of the finances. But again, he is just this young kid who hadn't been released. It's a big movie. Yeah, but... Yeah. You don't... But sometimes you've got to think it's about the next film, not about this film. Yeah, exactly. Like, Billy Joel got paid something like $32,000 for the record pi- like that Piano Man's on. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Like, it sold millions of copies. People are going, oh, poor Billy Joel. Well, he, trust me, he made up from the back. Yeah, he does, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's done okay. Um... Murphy said that Trading Place's uh, script was good. He liked it, felt it was unlike 48 Hours, uh, but he changed a few of his own lines because he said white writers can't write for a black actor. You could see that he'd changed things to fit him because there's certain things in this that I saw in Beverly Hills Cop 2. Not not Beverly Hills Cop 2, but that as well as. (laughs) It's Um, funny because Landis will direct Beverly Hills Cop 3. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Um. Which was not good. And it's funny because he says here, like a black person would use stereotypical, sorry, a white writer writing for a black person would use stereotypical dialogue, like jive turkey. 
<laughs> but we do hear of a line, Jive Turkey, in this film, yeah. but not Eddie Murphy's character. Uh, so if you're Eddie Murphy, you can get away with a change. Yeah, yeah. I think if you're extra number five, and this is one of four lines you get, it's what it is. you're delivering that line. Yeah. So he appreciated the fact that he could write his lines to sound a bit more authentic. Uh, so back outside the club, Donna Michi just assaults Billy. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. just like smacks him and throws him to the ground. <laughs> And the black door, and there's a lot of indentured service. There's a lot of people in service. To, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of rich old white guys being serviced by black men. Yeah, in this film, and the black doorman throws. But again, out. is that? Do you think that's intentional to set us up for? Well, if the original thing was later? black or white, uh, I got there's one scene I got a real issue with, and okay. it's not the one you're thinking of. Okay, I don't think. All right. The black doorman throws him out, and uh, Billy Ray says, you've got a lot of soul, <laughs> yeah, which is basically calling him an Uncle Tom, yeah, yeah, is yeah. what it's doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, inside, there's an argument between the brothers. Um, Randolph tells Mortimer money isn't everything, and he goes, oh, grow up. <laughs> uh, again, there's a, there's a servant named Ezra who they give a $5 Christmas bonus to, and it's an old black man. Yeah. It's just... Oh, but- but he was sassy. I liked him. Oh. <laughs> maybe, again, I'll, maybe I'll go to the movies by myself. Again, that's, yeah. that's setting us up to make them assholes, basically, aren't they? Because yeah. if they hadn't have offered anything, we wouldn't have thought nothing of it. Oh, my. Right. So by my offering issue, something little. My, my, my issue isn't by making them jerks or by making them racist. My issue is that there's so many black servants suggest the yeah, movie yeah, yeah. is racist. Mm-hmm. But again, is it, is it intentional? <sighs> I'd like to think it's intentional. I think it is, but I think. To, I think to hedge their bets and not be called out for it, they made it a little bit diverse. Yeah. But in doing that, it weakened the message they may have been trying to make. Yeah. It's 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 a tricky one. Yeah. Um and so we find out there's fifty thousand dollars that have gone to Clarence Beaks, and Don Amici's almost dying, he's coughing so much. <laughs> like like if Winthorpe's the smart man he's supposed to be, like he'd have put two and two together on this one. Uh, exactly. Uh, doing some top secret deep research, we find out that Winthorpe is engaged to the Duke's grandniece, which, if you consider what happens to her, they're kind of being jerks here. Mm-hmm. If Winthorpe's not dating her, like if, sure, if she's not related to them, then the story makes a bit more sense. But yeah. like, they're not even considering their grandniece's happiness. Well, money nope. is everything, isn't it? <laughs> I guess so. And so this is where they go back to the eternal question, because again, for no reason, you know, Randolph is just going, no, wrong, wrong, wrong. And the question is, is Winthorpe a good man? And Amici certainly thinks so. Mortimer goes, he's, he's good stock. Yeah. He's well-bred. He goes, nothing to do with, he's, oh, it's just like racehorses. He goes, <laughs> some people are saying executives are different from racehorses these days. And it's about raising and education. And I think, of course, the answer is, well, it's, it's, it's obviously both. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, it has to go to its most simplistic terms to give us the movie. Yeah. But where are you on this? That's kind of nice. Where are you, nature versus nurture? Uh, I... I think you are who you are. You're either with good surroundings. I can understand in good education and stuff like that. You can better yourself, but I don't think you. You know, even if you're born in the ghetto, you can still be a nice guy. You can still be polite. Yep. You know, you're not just going to be an asshole. You're not just going to be a drug addict just because it's around you. Um, so I think a, a, I'd say a good fifty percent of it is you as a person who you are instinctively. Um, so I'd say nature versus nurture. Is that right? Mm. When I'm saying that, no, I, no, I think you're saying nurture. Yeah, are you? I, I people, thought you were saying, I more, people, no, more nature than nurture. Oh, I, I yeah, said, more nature than nurture. So you are who you are because yeah. of who you were, 
because of what's in your because of who your, your 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 DNA is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, so you are more nature. So you are yeah. more you are more Mortimer. Yeah, Ellie. I am more nurture. I think. Yeah. Um. But no, it's definitely a combination, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think I'm definitely like heavily nurture, but there is a nature element to it. So, oh, I think there's more nature. As a t- than if I can place it in like an academic context, okay. If I take you, Liam, and I place you, let's say I can clone you, I can, I can, I can make two of you, okay? Yeah, yeah. And I place one of you, and I put you in all the top set classes. Yeah. And I expose you to um, the least behavioral problems. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you make friends with people who don't have as many behavior problems. Because there, there, there are people in your classes, and there are people that you're more likely to want, end up spending time with and therefore befriend. Yeah. And therefore, you end up doing well, and we keep you in top sets. And then maybe you go ahead and you go on to potentially, assuming you have got some 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 sort of, assuming that you've got intelligence that would be in the range to get you here. Because it's not 100% nurture. Yeah, yeah, but then yeah. maybe you go to A-levels, and then maybe you start yourself that, and maybe you go to university, and then what, where does that life take you? As opposed to if I put you in that first brush in one of the behavioral classes, and you can't listen to what's being said. As a result, you don't do well in your exams. As a result, you don't like teachers, and you're hanging out with people who you're, don't uh, do You're well. describing my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> Do I believe there is a there is a natural aspect that people are just genetically stronger in certain elements? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. You know what I mean? Like there's certain things I'm just not very good at. Is it because I wasn't exposed to it enough? I don't think so. I think I, I can't draw or handwrite. I could get better at these things, but I'm never going to be really, really, really good at them. So obviously for some sort of nature of it, I'm just naturally good at some things and poor at some things. But I feel that that's been developed by the nurture side of things. So I, I still have more heavily go towards nurture. I know, because I, like, I struggled in school, which I've, I've told you before, you know. Who'd have thought my best mate being a teacher? I know, right? I know. <laughs> if I could go back to my younger self, I think he'd slap me. Anyway, um, so yeah, I, I, I struggled in school because academically I'm not that gifted. But artistically... Yeah. I mean, like drawing and painting, I was always so good at in high school. And that weren't like taught. That yeah. was just there. So it sounds like you are Mortimer and I am Randolph. <laughs> yeah. We need a guinea pig to do a bet with. We do. And George is not here. So, so I think if there's a way we so can one somehow, English pound. One English pound. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Georgia. <laughs> um. And so, because we can't tell Ellie, she's been here for the whole thing. Yeah, so we, exactly, we can't, yeah. we can't do it on Ellie. No. Um, and so, um, we go back outside to Billy Ray and he's, I'm sorry, I know we're supposed to like him, but he like flat out just grabs some woman on the street by the skirt. Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah. And she doesn't really have a big reaction towards it. No. You know, I'd expect a bigger times reaction. Times have changed. I, maybe times have changed or maybe it's because she realized there's dialogue that needs to be said in the yeah. script. I know, but... I have no idea. But his pickup line is, once you have a man with no legs, you never go back. Yeah. And, then she, <laughs> and then she, like, walks away and he, like, angrily screams after her, you bitch. Yeah, he does. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> And then he's doing this blind impression when the cops come up and it's just Stevie Wonder, isn't it? It is, yeah. Everything's like a head moving back. I'm trying not to do it because I got a microphone <laughs> in front of my face. But... um. And they lift him up after he makes some claims to be in the military. They pick him up, and the blanket falls, and his legs dangle down. And he's, he, I, do like I think bit. it's the only move you can do. Yeah. He claims Jesus healed him. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that bit. He goes, I can see, and I can walk. <laughs> um, I love the way he just carries on talking to them as he's walking away. He's walking away, and he's like, you right. still hear him screaming. And then the cruiser comes up behind him and pushes him back the way he came, and he bumps into Lewis Winthorpe, Dan Aykroyd. And he drops the briefcase, and Lewis thinks he's being arrested. Not arrested, he's being, he's being uh, mugged. 
Mm-hmm. And he calls the police to arrest him. And he's like, man, I didn't, I didn't, I'm just, here, take the briefcase back. And he won't do it. He's like, no, no, please, please. See, again, he's brought up on the streets. And yet he's the scammer and everything else and a con man. And yet he's still trying to give him his briefcase back. He's not even attempting to hide anything. He's not, yeah. you know, where you'd expect him to. Yeah. So, he, he's know. in the petty, th- we find he's in the petty theft. He's not, he's not about holding people up. No. No. Um, and he, <laughs> there's some serious racial profiling. Billy ain't stealing anything. Um, shouldn't, but I'm going, shouldn't Billy drop the briefcase once he gets inside and then he just throws it. And I'm like, okay, so much for that point. Yeah, but for a little while he's holding it and running. And, with and it. the whole time Dan Aykroyd's being like such a weasel. He's <laughs> under there. Get him. Get him down there. He's over there. <laughs> <laughs> At which point he finally comes out from underneath the Christmas tree in the middle of the club. There's like nine cops and they like all point guns on him and he just smiles and goes, is there a problem, officers? That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then they go to arrest him. And this like, is the bit. They put a gun right to, to his, his temple. temple. And I'm yeah. like, whoa, he has, he has surrendered? Sur- yeah. This is not necessary? Uh, Especially in light of the current climate, I'm going, oh. Uh, yeah, today's, again, we're with today's Ooh. brains and then. The theory's supposed to be it's a comedy and we overdo yeah, things yeah, yeah, yeah. for laughs. But we take these things and we extrapolate them back into a different time or even into that time and go, what happens if the comedic lens is off? Yeah. Well, then this is this is a, a terrible film. So I think we have to go, it's a comedy. It's designed to laugh. It's engineered to laugh. Eddie Murphy is a willing participant in this. Mm-hmm. That doesn't excuse everything. But we no. also have to consider the fact that he is a participant in this. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so at this point, uh, Randolph starts asking him questions. He goes, are you from a broken home? <laughs> he goes, yeah, it was broke. So what? And I'm sure you have a juvenile record. At which point, Eddie Murphy's going, I've had enough of this. I need a yeah. lawyer. Is there a lawyer in the house? And everyone's mm. <laughs> and and looks at the floor. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good scene. It was. And as he gets arrested, um, Randolph says, there's nothing wrong with him. And Mortimer goes, of course there's something wrong with him. He's a, uh, and then insert, yes. um, not the worst N-word, but it's on its way. But he kind of elongates it. Oh, he, he says it like it's like like it's a bad taste in his mouth yeah. as he says it, yeah. Uh, really interesting. I got a point about Don Amici later, actually. This okay. is going to be quite interesting. And he goes, he's probably been stealing since he could crawl. And I'm like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> And then the two men decide to play God. And it was similar, kind of like what Liam and I just did with our little sketch about Georgia. We're going to go ahead and we're going to bet. We don't know what the bet is at this point. No. But it would be the usual amount to see if they could draw. And it's got two parts. You have to make Valentine a decent executive and Winthorpe has to result to violent crime. Because they still think that that, that Valentine was violent and Valentine's not. And it's important that we know that he's not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, we go to uh, dinner with Penelope. And his dinner with Penelope is going on. Uh, I'm going, what is she wearing? <laughs> you kind of liked it, I think you said. I, I did, yeah. Oh, in this a, is like you dressed her in like a nine-year-old's dress as in an a, adult. In a, in a weird, because that's the 80s, isn't it? You know, and everything was different is she supposed, and garish. Is she supposed to look ridiculous? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, even for the 80s, she's supposed to be looking stupid. Because even when, yeah, because even on, on her face, she's got that stern look that, you know, no one... We're not looking at her as an audience going, oh, she's pretty. She's this. She's that. We're going, oh, she's just like him. She's stuck up. She's- there is this- oh, she was really pretty. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, but she had this stuck upness about her that we isn't about looks of person, is it? Sometimes it's about the character yeah. of a person. 
And so this is kind of a theme sometimes that rich people don't know how to have fun. They can't cut yeah. loose. They can't relax. What I'm trying to say is they want us to not like her too. Oh, absolutely. And, and easily done. Cause I yeah, hated yeah, Penelope. Yeah. As I was supposed to. Yeah. It's a job well done. It's like the only thing she ever did. The actress. Really? She didn't do much. No, no, no. She was a model more than she was an actress. Oh, okay. I thought for what her role was, I thought for what her role was, she did it well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's had to be the stuck-up girl who doesn't understand. I weren't saying she wasn't pretty, Ellie. I'm saying she was pretty. <laughs> but you, there's an audience participation member. You're looking at her, and you're supposed to not like her. And we have to not like her because we need him to choose someone else at the end. That's why everything yeah. is garish about like, her. Pretty but not attractive. Here's a thought, because yeah. we're not going to get back to it. I bet you I forget. Should she have been punished more? Mm. She kind of goes for? off and marries Todd, right? For what for? For not standing by Lewis? For not believing in him? For being a bad girlfriend? Fiance? Yeah, but she was never a nice person well, she in the was first standing place. by him until Jamie Lee Curtis came and She stood him by him for about three and a half seconds. We'll get there. But yeah. she had a moment of a look and he goes, oh, and then it's ruined. But that's just showing you the difference between him and her later on though, isn't it? Yeah. I think she hasn't moved on, but he has. You need him to, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... She wants Lewis right now because he's so dangerous. <laughs> oh, Lewis. Um, and so he goes ahead and has dessert. But the, and it's a great thing because the whole scene, Coleman's been making this, I don't know what he's, it's like a crepe it's or something? Crepe yeah, crepe. Yeah. Yeah. Crepe Suzette? And he's like, you have it. And we just do a jump cut, like a complete, and he's just. Thank you, sir. He's yeah. Just, yeah, he's like, oh, he just Not throws again. it right in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much oil. There was, wasn't there? Oh, there was so much oil. I thought that. Uh, a bit butter. Okay, so a lot of it anyway. Well, whatever it was, yeah. That's, yeah, that's how you cook them. And the two men decide to play... Uh, oh, we've done already. Um, oh, so Coleman is called for the, and he's told, that, oh, it's a scientific experiment. Well, I, And this is a bit of the explanation. Well, it's your house. I work for you, sir. Mm. But then he hangs up and goes, what a scumbag. Yeah. So good. Good. I'm assuming... I'm assuming you it's... Need mo- you need him to do that. Though. Are we assuming it's Mortimer who's phoned? Mortimer's the more evil He's, of the two yeah, yeah, brothers, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, but you have to have um, Coleman be that way because you want, as an audience, we want to be on his side. Yeah. You know, you've got to like him. You yep. can't let him be a third Mortimer or a third Duke. Yep. So, yeah. And Penelope is pl- uh, playing Lewis against Todd, which was good because it explains what happens later a little bit. The idea that Todd's sort of her backup plan. Yeah. And um, she strips down. It's just it's like the least sexual disrobing of the two people too. Uh, it's like, yeah. oh, you can't make it to Mumsy's party as the dress comes off. She's, she's, wearing, nice body, some, she's yeah. wearing some nice white yeah. white well, it's not lingerie, it's just underwear. But it looked yeah. nice. Yeah. Yep. And I again, like, white. I liked her out of the dress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then that's when Coleman comes in, and uh, nothing else is needed. He says, "I have she everything. Him, she? <laughs> I have everything I want." Yeah, Ooh. I was okay with it. <laughs> uh, and then we cut to inside the jail, and we've got karate lessons with Billy Ray Valentine. <laughs> Brilliant, and Ellie. I'm sure you didn't catch this. I'm not even sure if you know who this is. There was a young man to his to left, our left, yeah, his right, his right, yeah. And I stopped and said to Liam, do you recognize do you, do you recognize anybody there? I said, look at that guy there. And and you, you tweaked onto it pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I it f- lingers on him for a while. So we yeah. actually had a lot of time to look at him. It was his eyes that gave him away yeah. for me. There's just some random youth there in the jail. And it's uh, Giancarlo Esposito, who you and might know. like, who? <laughs> have you seen Breaking Bad? No. Oh, have you seen? Uh, well, Rev- you've, he was in Revolution as well. I know you've seen Community. Yeah. He is Pierce's half-brother. 
Pierce, Pierce has, a, has, has a black half-brother who he thought was a butler and turns out to actually be his brother the whole time? I can't remember that. He's also in Mandalorian. Mandalorian? I haven't seen Mandalorian. Okay, well, anyway. He was yeah. in Seven. Yeah. He was in Seven. He was the FBI agent. Yes, the, was, the, yeah. the black FBI agent yeah, yeah. who's always like, he brings the final sketch of what uh, Kaiser Shose looks like. Anyway, I was yeah. like, oh my God, it's Giancarlo Esposito. Everywhere I look now, I see Giancarlo Esposito these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, he's, he's had a better career now. He's had a very good last 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah than before. And he goes, <laughs> he's trying to say about how he was beating up all of his, all of his cops. And he goes, well, where's your, so these two big guys? Well, where are your bruises? He goes, I'm a karate man. <laughs> karate man bruises on the inside. I like uh, how he keeps talking. He does. He's going to talk himself out of trouble yeah. or into more trouble. It's one <laughs> yeah. of the two. He makes bail in the nick of time. These two big guys are about to pin him up. They've got they? him lifted up <laughs> and against. That's like old school jail bars. You know what I mean? But I love the fact that he carries on talking, even though he's pinned. Yep. <laughs> and he meets, uh, he gets out and he meets the Dukes. And it's interesting to see their approaches to try and get him in the car. Because I was paying attention to this. So I was like, come on in. It's nice and warm. Mm-hmm. And Mortimer's like, whiskey. <laughs> yeah. All that you want. <laughs> And I think it's the whiskey that gets him in the car. Well, I think so, yeah. uh, at which point, like Valentine just like start like like stuff in his pockets. For, like he's offered a cigar, and he grabs like nine. Yeah, and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna take what I can get. But this is where we find out they're the ones who bailed him out, and um, they want him to work for them. But uh, this is part of the first 15 days of filming that were spent in Philadelphia, and director John Landis described the weather as freezing. Uh, while filming the scene where Randolph and Mortimer collect Valentine from jail, Landis is positioned in a tow truck pulling the Rolls Royce. Okay. Carrying the three of them. And Landis is wearing a thick parka to try and stay warm. But the actors had a space heater in the Rolls. And Landis listened to a dialogue via radio. A cute moment was that during this, there was a jovial discussion between the three actors. Uh, Bellamy said that Trading Places was his 99th film. Amici said, it's my hundredth film. So Eddie Murphy joked out and said, between the three of us, we've made 201 films. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. They're going to start them off at $80,000 a year. Which I, I meant to look up. It's 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 not small no, that amount of money. No, that's a, that's it's got to be like 175 maybe now. A lot of and US, so that's yeah, yeah, yeah. 140 British. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty nice. So I'm going to have to try and uh, – so he goes up front because, again, another black servant. The chauffeur's black. Yeah. And he goes – so basically the deal is they want to put him up in a house. They want him a bank account and pay him a lot of money. Give him uh, a car. As par- a car as yeah. part of this relocation sort of re- rehabilitation sort of process. They say people who have been culturally disadvantaged, which is a fancy way for saying black. Yeah. Seems to be, doesn't it? Yeah. And so he goes up to the chauffeur and goes, what's the deal with these two guys? These are, uh, they're not really serious, are they? And he nods there, yeah. Well, then there are a couple of homosexuals. Yeah. Yeah, he uses a, a slur. He does. And uh, and he just goes, and the driver goes, nope. He goes, I wish the driver would have spoken. I wish he'd have had free reign to yeah. speak. The driver goes, he goes, so what should I do? And the driver just shrugs his shoulders. Yeah. Well, I guess, I mean... If he, if he, the minute he starts asking questions, then where, how do you justify when they stop the conversation? Yeah, true. You know what I mean? I just so felt like he needed yes, something. No, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Um, I just felt like he was told, "Don't talk, just react." Yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? 
So he chooses to stay and then makes it to the house, and Billy Ray doesn't trust that people aren't going to take his clothes. Uh, oh, there's a bad bit. So eventually he trusts him enough to go over bath. And this is the line about having a jacuzzi. <laughs> you you want to go ahead and take the line? Because you said it when we watched it. Yeah. Um, when he has the jacuzzi, he said, when I was younger, I used to have to fart in the bath to have a jacuzzi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Coleman comes, uh, before Coleman comes out, uh, all of a sudden he goes, what, what, Mortimer's like, what's he doing in there? And Coleman's like, I think he's singing. singing. And Randolph goes, they're a very musical people, aren't they? And I'm like, oh, this is oh. not good. No. Coleman wants to know what to do with the clothes, at which point Mortimer says he'll have to have something to wear back to the ghetto. Mm. Uh, eventually, he gets dressed, and they and he keeps trying to steal Valentine. He tries to steal all this stuff. And he goes, Mortimer goes, you'll only be stealing from yourself. And he refers to Coleman as his personal slave. Yeah. Oh, geez. But he breaks this vase, and it turns out it's insured for more money than it costs. We're like, it made a lot of money. Yes, look. And he goes, oh, cool. You want me to break something else? And they go, No. no. <laughs> That was a nice little bit. And so we meet uh, Clarence Beeks, played by Paul Gleason, who, yeah. Liam, you very quickly recognized as? The teacher in Breakfast Club. He is the teacher from Breakfast Club. Oh, yeah. There we go. Yeah. So um, it was rumored to be G. Gordon Liddy in this role originally. And G. Gordon Liddy was one of the key figures in the Watergate scandal. Really? Yeah. So okay. the idea that he'd be this corrupt yeah, guy. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Talking about, okay. Like, he's like, yeah, you got me. I may as well play the part until you make some money off it. I suppose it. that'd be 10 years on by then, wouldn't it? So, oh, more than that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, and Beeks uh, put something into Lewis's coat. And we open with, they go, there's something rotten in the Heritage Club, mm-hmm. which is like the opening line from Hamlet. Something's rotten in the state of Denmark. Oh, okay. And, there's a, me, then. and he goes, there's a thief. And in our 208-year history, we've never had a thief. And it's not like that man who Winthrop uh, helped take down yesterday. I'm like, oh, so there has been a thief in the 208-year history. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> It's like you had that speech prepared and, and mm. went, oh, we'll give it one more day. Oh, shoot. Okay, we've had a theft. Surely he meant like within the club thing. It's just, it's just the way it was said. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say that. But yeah. So there was put your, le- put your left hand on the shoulder of the man beside you and then put your right hand, hand into his pocket. Yeah. But they didn't do both sides. It just did the one pocket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, this feels like the most Mickey Mouse thing ever. I'm I like, know. oh. But I suppose um, if you already knew which pocket you'd put it in, then it... Well, if you want to make it seem like the fix is in, then that doesn't that prove it? Exactly. And well, the thing that really surprised me is when the money ends up on the table, like Lewis isn't going, that's not my money right off the no. start. Yeah. It's not until and it flips like, over. Oh, I've goes, never seen that. So, so that looks, this, was his, this was his move for everything. I've never seen that before in my life. <laughs> um, Preposterous. He's kicked out of the club. And Can there... Just... Yeah, go ahead. I really liked all the portraits on the walls in this scene in the big hall. It's, it's like the old dead men are like judging him. Yeah. Yeah, but they were literally on every single oh, yeah. centimeter of the wall, and I found it really funny. It was like an extra little bit of irony for the situation. And then, yeah, as he walked out, they like zoomed in on the eyes yeah. of the portrait. So they go to the police station, and uh, Beaks now pulls aside a cop. And the cop who like plants angel dust on him. Uh, the cop is Frank Oz. That's Frank Oz. That is, is Frank Oz. Oh, now, okay. Frank Oz is Frank Oz. Who does Frank Oz do the voice for? Is it is it Fozzie? Is it Kermit? Uh, no, because um, Henson does Kermit. Henson does Kermit, doesn't he? Well, Frank Oz does like a bunch of them. He, Frank Oz does Miss Piggy. Does he do Piggy? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. 
So yeah, so this is and Fozzie Bear, I think. That's him. Yeah, yeah. I think it is Fozzie Bear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's really crazy to see him as like this like crooked kind of whatever. See, I didn't recognize him because obviously I don't see. You him don't see stuff. them. Yeah. No. You were, how would you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back to Billy Ray in the car. Uh, oh, he's not in the car. He's in the bar, and he's called out from the two big guys from jail the night before who were there. <laughs> and the one Flashing guy goes, money around. "You're the motherfucker I was going to carve." To which point Eddie Murphy goes, "Motherfucker." <laughs> Moi. <laughs> Moi, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, go outside and take a look at my limousine if you don't believe me. And they go outside and there's Coleman. And don't be wrong, Coleman's driving a vehicle. I don't know if I'd call it a limousine. No. A town car? Yeah. Sure. Not a limousine. Is it just is it just not a stretch limousine? Oh, see, I think maybe that's the point. Maybe, maybe I'm just so used to limousine. I think now limousines yeah. you think stretch by default. Maybe you're right. Yeah, well done. I don't know. I'd rather have the roles that the uh, that the that, brothers that's have. That's about the only insightful comment I'll ever make about cars in this podcast. I also so think enjoy the, it. That's I why hit me either. That's why we have Richard come on. I also think the guy behind the bar was in the bodyguard. You said that. Yeah, his voice. I went back the way he looked because obviously bodyguard was like eight years later or ten years later, but it was. I'm sure that was the same guy. No bodyguard. Billy Rands have invited everybody back to his house, and a large number of them are black. And I bring this up because I don't like the way that the next scene represents black people. Yeah. The party scene. This is my issue with the film. Okay. Is they come over. There's, there's a few white women. Yeah. I don't remember a lot of white guys. No. I there don't. might have been a couple. But we have more white women and just a lot of, and just a lot of black people in, in the party. And they're all represented to be kind of like Billy is at the start. And it's the idea that Billy's losing track of who he was as well. Yeah. But, you know, they're all taking advantage and trying to... And he quickly susses out, like, these people. So my question is... Here's my question. It's it's that if... I get that the rich are supposed to be bad. That's that's kind of a common trope. But surely the moral of this movie is that the poor people are generally better? Yeah. But these ones weren't. No, they weren't. The white right. prostitute is good. Yeah. But the only black person allowed to be good is is Billy Ray? Yeah. That struck me as weird. I did, that was Coleman's weird. a good man. He's a servant. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I just struggled with this because they're like leaving crap over his floor. They're trying to freeload off him. They're stealing from him. I just didn't get it. And he goes, and then this is where we had the, we need to get some boobs in this movie quick portion of the film. Yeah. Oh my god! This part didn't offend me as much. Suddenly, everybody's naked. It, I don't know what was going on, but it was like a take your top off party. I quite liked it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was. The, it was definitely a nineteen eighties film. I'll it tell was, you that much. Yeah, yeah. Because there are two women minimum downstairs who get their tops off. There's a woman lying naked in Billy Ray's bed, mm-hmm. waiting for him. And in case you missed that, she went. I've been waiting for you, Billy Ray. Yeah, get out. <laughs> Just put your clothes on. <laughs> Um, Old Billy Ray had been all over that. <laughs> and Billy Ray kicks out the freeloaders. Yeah. And he goes, oh, your friends have a good time. Coleman goes, your friends have a good time? Those people aren't my friends. You got you to be hard with these people. Take it from me. See. And you're starting to see him turn. Yeah. And I didn't, that was too quick. Way too quick. Because like an hour ago, he was just throwing money down. Like, there's a difference between going, okay, maybe I need to be more selective. Yeah. But he kind of writes off all poor people. And again, the fact that they're almost all black suggests this Uncle Tom-ism. Yeah. And for anybody who might not know what Uncle Tom-ism is, it's the idea that um, it's, it's a black, it's defined as sort of like a, a black person who becomes over-subservient to his white superiors. Mm-hmm. 
as a way that almost, uh, as a result, turns them against their own community or, or their own people. Yeah. And so you could say that that's what Billy Ray's having happening to him during this sequence. Yeah. Is that he's sort of becoming whitened. Yeah, it was it was too quickly. Because because he's, he's he's in his posh clothes now. Like at no point does his version of wealth get to be I'm going to have money, but still dress in a way that is consistent with the the community I come from. But he basically just becomes Lewis Winthorpe. Yeah, but I mean, the day before he was in in prison. Yeah. Now he's in this house and he's like, "What are you doing on my Persian rug? What are you doing on there? Why yeah. don't you use it's coasters?" From Persia. It's from Persia. Yeah, yeah, it's just like all these things. It's just like no, yeah. no, no it's too. too I quick. agree with you. I agree with you. Too quick. Um, and so uh, we now go back to the next day in jail, and Winthorpe has been in jail all night. We know he's a black eye. <laughs> uh, Ophelia is there, and she's propositioned by Beaks. Uh, this is a oh, this is a great cutaway shot of Penelope spraying the vagrants with this like I don't know, it's just perfume, I guess. Yeah, I guess it would be. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I couldn't quite work it out, but I guess it's just because they're a bit smelly. Penelope lectures Lewis about being in a fight. <laughs> He's a great line about he decides, He just really has this weird moment. He decides to go see a Castanet. Those men tried to have sex with me. <laughs> and he just about convinces her that he's not an angel dust dealer when we meet properly Ophelia, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, yeah. the daughter of Janet Lee and Tony Curtis. That's right. Tony Curtis, who we've done a film of earlier on this podcast. Yeah, Some Like It Hot. Some Like It Hot. And it, I guess we've sort of had oh, a little yeah. bit of Jamie Lee Curtis. In Scream. And Halloween. Turn around. No, but in, in, in the podcast. Oh, in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Turn around, Jamie. Turn around, yeah, Jamie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right, yeah. And so Paramount didn't want her on account of her horror film background. She was the Scream Queen. Exactly. And back then, horror films were like B-films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't, you didn't, it wasn't something that you did. It wasn't, it was like a, it wasn't porn, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't art. You didn't, I think yeah. that's the reason she took a top off in this movie. <sighs> to distinguish it? Yeah. Yeah, because she never did take her top off, because she always played the virginal pure girl yeah, yeah. in that. Uh, she wanted to move away from horror films, as she was conscious that the association would limit her further career prospects. But she had turned down a, f- a role in the horror film Psycho 2. Now, if you keep in mind, Psycho 2, she turns down. But as we've said, her mom was in Psycho 1. Yeah. So you could understand if you had like some sort of heartstrings attached to that. Yeah. Uh, she had made Halloween 2 and made $1 million for that. Wow. You want to guess what she made for training places? I'm going to say less. Okay. Uh, 400. 400,000? Ellie? Um, she made a million for Halloween, too. 500,000? 500,000. She yeah. made $70,000. Wow. Talk about betting on yourself, taking a shot. Wow. But again, she's trying to further her career, so... She probably, probably made more money off those yogurt commercials. Well, Activia. You think, right? She then does this after yep. doing that and then she's in like i mean she's had a really varied career yeah you're stealing my end but yeah everyone does well out of this yeah, yeah yeah so it's worth it in the long run when asked if she'd researched her role as a prostitute <laughs> jamie lee curtis <laughs> joked i'd love to say i went out and turned a couple of tricks on 42nd street but i didn't <laughs> um so that was kind you know kind of fun so she kind of plays this prostitute here and uh she kind of goes up to to lewis and goes oh come on baby i'm hurting real bad i just need a hit at which point Penelope's like oh <laughs> lewis never phoned me again i'm gonna find todd <laughs> um and so do you know my gripe in this film, film what is your gripe in this film Lee? the fact that she's wearing a wig like in pretty woman she's wearing a wig they want you to see a transformation. Is there a thing where prostitutes have to wear wigs? No, what exactly? Hmm. 
Why, don't know. why is it about wearing wigs? Maybe, maybe. Actually, I don't know. I've never been a prostitute. I'm much like <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. I haven't turned tricks on 42nd Street. Is there a thing about you're in costume and therefore that's how you, you did, that's how you deal with it yourself? Maybe. They're having sex with that person. The wig is that person. It is their identity, their role they put on for the night. And when that wig comes off, I am not that person anymore. And you can't see me on the street and recognize who I okay, am. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. But in Pretty Woman, Julia Roberts takes her wig off like the same night. Like, I didn't think they've had sex first. But. Yeah, but keep in mind, she's not. I don't think Julia Roberts' character, Vivian, is spending the night with a lot of these guys. She's doing 20 minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. Ha ha, I win this one. Okay, well then. Yes. Clarify it for me. There we go. Uh, so, um, Ophelia says, Oh, your, your buddy over there said you'd get you off. You'd like it. Give me 100 bucks. Go, Which one is it? He's over and he's disappeared. Mm-hmm. And it's important because they did show him twice in that same spot from that same angle. Like, mm-hmm. And then he'll send the same angle, but he's not there. Um, it's very first beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Ophelia gives him 20 bucks, and uh, he says he'll pay her back 50 when they get to Coleman. <sighs> this broke my heart a little bit, having to watch Coleman lie. Yeah, it was. Because Lewis goes and knocks on the door and says, there's no Coleman here, and if you knock again. And he does it twice, and the second time he's pained in the face. I think he's got a, a strange relationship with him anyway, because he's not, he doesn't really like Lewis. I think you're right. I think much. I, I think he's us. I think he's our avatar. Yeah, yeah. I think he's our surrogate. I think yeah. he doesn't like Lewis. Absolutely. No. But I think he knows this is wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only thing that's paining him. I think. Yeah. Not the fact that yeah. he's just saying what he's saying. I think he quite would like to see him humble. Yeah. But he goes, "This isn't right. This is too far." Yeah. Um. And so he lets him go, and he's totally being gaslit. You don't live here. Blah blah blah. Um. So he goes to the bank, and the IRS have frozen his accounts. But what I'm going is, can you just read for me what my address is, please? <laughs> Because I got a guy who says I don't live there. What's my address? Yeah. At least you can get that part right. And but meanwhile, they wouldn't give it to him. He didn't ask for his address. He just asked for money. Yeah. Yeah, but they wouldn't have given it to him if, they, if he'd asked for it. No, he's frozen their accounts. That's, they didn't say we don't believe you're Lewis Winthorpe. They said you're, you're, you're an angel dust dealer. Yeah, but banks don't give out your personal details. To, like, to you? The counter. To you. Not without you, like, proving who you they, are. They obviously know who he is. Yeah. They repossess his wallet and bring police out. Yeah. They do know suppose, who he is. yeah. <laughs> like, Could you please, we can't verify it's you, but we're arresting the person who we think <laughs> you're going to be. Yeah. Um, and there's a big fight outside of the bank. And there's a, I couldn't get over the giant clothes peg in the background. I know, right? <laughs> I've watched this film so many times, I never noticed this. No, me either. Nah. Until today. Until today. Yeah. There's the a giant, giant clothes peg. peg. So when he's like been thrown out of the bank and he's laying on the ground, there's a shot looking up from his perspective at Ophelia. Behind her is this giant wooden clothes peg. It's like a statue. It must be about 15 foot, if not taller. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was there. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I think doing the podcast, I'm like, I've seen this movie. What else can I see in the frame? And I think I'm just, <laughs> yeah. It must be some sort of art thing. Oh, it has to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to be. Um, Lewis, Lewis, fair play to him. He says, and you don't care because you helped them do this to me. And, and, and she goes, yeah, I did. I did. And yeah. she invites him into the cab, grabs his hands and goes, you've never done a hard day's work in your life. And you got a manicure. And that's enough. She lets him in. I and suppose she's seen a lot of hands. I th- <laughs> <laughs> I, Just saying. Well, maybe the way around, actually. Um, a lot of hands. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's a meet cute between Lewis and Billy Ray in the two different vehicles. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd's one move was just to yell. I know. <laughs> 
cute. He's kind of a bit cute. <laughs> and he's about to say, that's the motherfucker. I mean, <laughs> that's the gentleman who had me. And you see him changing. This is the, this is the definition of changing. He's no longer saying yeah. mother. Yeah. Do you think that's where um, Samuel L. Jackson got it from? Yeah. <laughs> Samuel Jackson's like, I don't want to be posh. If I keep my mother I haven't changed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Coleman drops Billy Ray off to work and says, and, and, and Valentine's like, what do I do? What if I can't do what they want me to do? And he goes, just be yourself. Whatever that happens, genuine. When they can't take in. that away from you. Yeah. I think he likes Valentine. He does, and hates yeah. the fact he's in this role. Because yeah. he knows he's going back to the ghetto, too. Yeah. Like, say what, you will, result, about, say what you will about Winthorpe. He didn't know. He was just told, do this tomorrow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now he's being asked to build them up just to tear him down. Yeah. And he's not comfortable with that. No. And there's this great explanation about how commodities work. And it's like, this is coffee, which is you might have, this is coffee beans, which you might have in your coffee. And this is wheat, which is made to make bread. And these are pork bellies, which make bacon, which you might find in a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. And he just breaks the fourth wall, looking at it like. <laughs> that was just funny. like raises an eyebrow. Yeah. Brilliant. The, the old Billy Ray might have said, what are these motherfuckers about? Yeah. <laughs> um, there are nine gold bars on a plate. And you didn't even attempt to nick one no uh modern day there is over four hundred thousand pounds of gold on that plate wow yeah uh over half a million u.s dollars wow. and they explain to him how commodities work they say whether our clients make money or lose money they phone us to make trades we get commissions and he goes oh i like a couple bookies and it's like pretty much that's how yeah that's how stock work yeah back to ophelia's we see her remove her wig when she was first cast she had long hair it was the uh, oh. costume designer's uh, idea that she should cut her hair for the part. And I'm this be- glad she And did. this becomes Jamie Lee Curtis's look for, for, yeah. for, for the 80s. Yeah, I've, I've Fish called Wanda. Short hair. Fish called so Wanda short hair. Freaky Friday short. Yeah, she's short hair in most things. Yeah. She's so much Knives better with short hair. She looks, yeah. still got it. she looks way better with short hair. She does. Yeah. I want to find a picture of her with long hair now just to see what she looks like. There's a few things. Like one of the Halloween remakes, she has long yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so... Uh, she says to Lewis, she's got $42,000 and a three-year plan to get retirement. I'm like, you must be having to have a really hell of a busy three years. Because forty two grand, ain't, you ain't retiring on that anytime soon. No. Uh, Sorry, I've just found a long hair photo. She looks awful with yep. long hair. Yep. Definitely but, the right call. And she takes off her top. Mm. Or it's, it's her dress more than a top, I think. It's like it's like a one-piece bodysuit. Again, I think she won't wear a bra just for this scene. Yes. <laughs> but she's there and she's exp- she's exposed. And she goes, by the way. And she lets him look for a minute. So this, this mirror shot. Yeah. And then she covers then she up. Herself, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, hang on, though. This is a little bit consistent. Unless you're just being mean here. Yeah. But she goes, rent and food on anything that costs money around here. So you sleep on the couch. And she uses her foot to close the door, which was a nice kind of end scene to it. I really liked that scene. Yeah. I like that scene. <laughs> I think we liked it for different reasons, Zoli. Yeah, I think we so go, too. We go back to the brokerage, and um, Billy Ray has this theory about why pork belly prices will continue to fall. <laughs> and it's all to do with the fact that if he just, the brokers don't bring home enough money, their wives won't sleep with them. Uh, which, again, he was going to drop an F-bomb and changes it to their wives don't want to f- uh, ma- make love to them. Bear in mind, we're only like two or three days in here from when he was on the streets. This sort of suggests that that job is so, like, unless he's an absolute savant. Yeah. You know, because he's going to be completely useless once we get back to the actual trading. <sighs> um, and, and so Mortimer drops his billfold as a way to try and entrap Billy Ray. But Billy Ray runs after them and gives him back his, he's like, count it, count it. He's like, no, we believe you. Count it. No, we believe you. We believe you. <laughs> 
At which point then Randolph like throws the money clip to Mortimer who bobbles it a bit and then puts it away. Not supposed to happen. No, I could see that. But he kept in character. So because he kept in character, they kept it in the film and it's a great little bit. It is a great little bit. You can see that's not. Yeah. Yeah. We go to the barber. We go to the club, and there's a barbershop quartet. Hey. And there's a girl named. I like Eddie Murphy films with barbershop quartets in them. Oh jeez, yeah. <laughs> I prefer this barbershop quartet. And there's a girl called <laughs> Muffy, and the girl called Muffy has like a teal headband on. Yep. That's Jamie Lee Curtis's sister. Is it? It is. Oh my that god. Is Kelly Curtis. Now I'm sorry. Jamie Lee Curtis sounds like a star. Yes. Kelly Curtis, just like that girl in your math class. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I love about Jamie Lee Curtis? The fact that he's Jamie and Lee, which are two boys' names over here in England. Yeah. And yet, you, as soon as you hear Jamie Lee... And she's got the short hair. So she's got kind of a tomboy yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? But only in certain ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ellie, were you going to sort of gush about Haunted Mansion or some stupid thing like that? I was only going to say that we need to mention that if anybody else likes Barbershop Quartets and Eddie Murphy, they can listen to our episode on Haunted Mansion. Yes. Over on Talking the Mickey. It's not a good podcast. film, whoop, whoop. but it's a good review. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. If you want to hear me, like, if you want, if you're a fan of me when I when I just lose my <laughs> shit. Yeah, sure. You, you said want, it. If you want to hear me lose my shit for the first time on a podcast. Oh, was that? It was. Yeah, there was one. Was it that one? It was that one. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So there's a couple of rants there which are worth well worth the. Uh, the price of admission, like which is free, movie which is free. Oh, jeez, I wouldn't. <laughs> I want to lose my shit. Oh. <laughs> we'll just, we'll just, maybe we'll do that if we hit a certain number. We'll force you to sit down and watch it. Um, and so um, all of a sudden, Lewis walks in and the cost Todd. And he's wearing like, this worst like pimp outfit ever. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, then um, Penelope speaks up because Todd's like, I'll get rid of him, Snookums. It's that <laughs> sort of like rich person vernacular. And she goes, no one wants to buy your drugs here, Louis. <laughs> and that's that. I felt – see, this is what I felt. I felt Penelope should have had some comeuppance. Just one thing. I don't care what it is. Yeah. Maybe, maybe maybe Todd going off with someone else. Maybe Todd is like maybe rather than the other guy being the broker, Todd's the broker at the end. Yeah, and so Todd gets ruined, so Penelope gets ruined. Yeah, because now she's poor too. Yeah, that'd have been good. Something just some, some, she needs yeah. something. Um, well, she's not getting any inheritance from her uncles, is she? Or no, she's not. Are? No, she's not. Uh, we go to the pawn shop, and the broker behind the pawn shop is Bo Diddley. Is he? That's Bo Diddley. Oh. Which I don't know if you noticed, it was like a huge like guitar lick the whole time. It's never yeah, had to yeah. be Bo Diddley stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, finds out 50 bucks for the watch, even though it's worth like $4,000. But then Lewis goes, how much for the gun? And you're like, oh, it's not going to go well. <laughs> Lewis stands outside in the rain watching people eat and get sick because, you know, Eddie Murphy's character, everyone's like leaning in to get his expert opinion based off one trade he's one done. One trade, yeah. <sighs> <sighs> um, he gets sick. Um we go back to um, Ophelia's house. Ophelia's, yeah. She lets him get into her bed, which was not. And here like, it was like the next scene. She lets him get into oh, the no, bed. Everything right? was so quick, wasn't it? And then she gets like naked. Oh. And like, I forgot about this one. The first one, I totally remember. Yeah. The second one, I don't remember as much. Oh, I don't remember. Maybe either. because it's like, I'm going to help bring your body heat up. I don't know what the deal was, but mm. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Those knickers. Sorry. Um, I was lost. Where are we? <laughs> and so she crawls in the bed, and they have like a time lapse of some. I don't know how much time it is, but it's Christmas Eve now, and he's better because because we we have a legit fade out, which suggests yeah. passage of time. 
She kisses his nose, and he reads the Wall Street Journal, and on page one, it's Billy Valentine. It's actually like two weeks on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. <laughs> so he crashes the Christmas party, and who's having their Christmas party on Christmas Eve? Is that yeah. what Nakatomi Plaza was? That Christmas <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Eve? Yeah. It's never a good idea to have your Christmas party. No. If you do that, someone's coming in with a gun. Yeah, it's just yeah. going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I loved this. You hated this. He starts smuggling all of his food and a salmon yeah. into his coat. Oh, that's great. I love it. I love it. I just really want the salmon. <laughs> I, didn't under, I didn't understand why he was doing it. Like, this is like, I oh, didn't. he must be hungry. I'm like, wait, wait, has she kicked him out? No, I don't exactly. This. He's got somewhere to stay. He's being fed because they brought groceries up to the. They've got a deal, you know? Yeah, I, I don't get you know, like, He didn't have to steal food. No. Like, if he was hungry, he could have just eaten some. Yeah. Yeah. Just, Why put a salmon uh, down your face? It, it made me feel sick. In the background. <laughs> the whole maybe, side of salmon as well. This might be more for our American listeners, but in the background, there is an electronic board that sort of has like the prices of various stocks. Yeah. It is the big electronic board from the TV game show Family Feud. It is a big money board, and it's a, a very specific font. I noticed it in the background. and went, wait, is that? Uh, well, I wouldn't call that. I saw it there. Yeah means nothing to me. That's why I said for our American listeners. Yeah, that's nice. Um, Lewis then tries to frame Billy Ray by like just dump. Like this would be the worst. Like if you're going to frame someone, and of course he's supposed to be bad. That's the point. Yeah, to be yeah, bad. Yeah. But put him in like a neat little pile underneath the book. He just sort of scatters a bunch in a drawer and goes, <laughs> is how you frame somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and at which point Billy Ray catches him and uh, calls in the, the Dukes come in and they start going, what are you doing, Winthorpe? And he goes, that's it. I'm calling security. Hello, security. And then he, the gun gets pulled on him by yeah. Winthorpe. He goes, Merry Christmas. I <laughs> do like that. Mortimer is sorry for Winthorpe and says, we can explain. I wonder if Winthorpe doesn't go off there, what happens? Yeah. Do they come clean? Yeah. I reckon they would have done. I think they would have. Yeah. Um, I got the feeling, because I thought that when, yeah. when I was watching it. Uh, as is Randolph, but Billy Ray's not again. Billy Ray's like, you had to come down hard on these people. You're too soft on these people. <laughs> And at which point you're kind of going, Billy Ray deserves a little bit of, of a setback. He does. Because he's forgotten. Yeah. 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 Uh, Billy Ray then steals the joint and goes to blaze up. I do like that. Though. And I'm calling absolute BS. The Dukes don't smell the weed. When they oh, go yeah. Around. I was thinking that. As someone who's lived in Canada and the smell of weed is a bit more present, I think, than it is in this country. And then he's supposed to stick it in his mouth. And where, oh. what, what, where does that go eventually? I don't, know. <laughs> I don't think he swallows it. I think it's just in his mouth. Yeah, but... Mm. Um, well, did he put the whole joint in it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I missed that. I saw him covering his mouth, but I didn't know why. No, it's because he's put the joint in it. Oh, gross. And, and they go, pay up. I've won the bet. And he goes, fine. Here you go. One dollar. And they, at which point Randolph goes, well, how do we switch um, Valentine for Winthorpe? And he goes, I don't want Winthorpe running our company anymore. And he goes, so what do you want to do? You want to leave Valentine? And Mortimer goes, do you really think I would have a, and this time he uses the big N word. Yeah, he does. Run our company, to which point Randolph goes, nope, and neither would I. And I'm oh. like, oh, jeez. <laughs> now, I get it. They're supposed to be the old racist guys. They are, yeah. As a result, I don't think the N word is ever used in a comedic sense. No. Uh, as, as a result, okay, they're supposed to be the old racists. Yeah. Fine, then the old racists drop the end. It's not a punchline. We're not supposed to like them. They don't get redeemed in the end. I can deal with that. Yeah. I can deal with that because of the villains. We'll talk a little bit later about a different character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Valentine chases Winthorpe because he's heard the plan and wants to go ahead and correct it. Winthorpe goes to the bus 
and starts eating his salmon through his beard. Where were the one? This is gross. That it, see, I'm not the only one. <laughs> it makes me feel physically sick because uh, he's eating half the beard. I don't but... mind at all. <laughs> what? I know. But before that, why was he still in the building? He stormed off with a gun, didn't he? Yeah, but why, why did he not go out of the building to start He's with? just drunkenly wandering around, I think, yeah. is the argument. I don't know. Didn't anybody go looking for him? I don't know. It's strange. At which point, then, there's a dog, like, takes a leak on him. And there's no puddle. There's no puddle. <laughs> Speaking of puddles, then it starts to rain. And I, I don't know why the rain is the tipping point. It's at this point he decides to shoot himself in the head. Yeah. And it doesn't work. And is this supposed to be funny? Yeah, because he throws it. Yeah. And, and then, then it, it goes, goes off. off. But I'm like, is suicide funny? No. No. I'll tell you what, the sound effects afterwards were funny. Yeah, that was a bit old school, wasn't it? Oh, it, was, it, it, it was like the bullet was like ricocheting off buildings, like one of those old westerns. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Valentine uh, follows him into his apartment, and he tries a second attempt at suicide by taking pills. Yeah. And Valentine has to break the door down. We cut to Christmas morning, and Coleman wakes up. Lewis and Lewis is in his bed. And he thinks it was all a dream. And he goes, I swore him and my life was ruined. And it was just down to this terrible N-word. Not the big one, yeah. the little one. And I'm going, now this is dangerous because this is supposed to be you when I like you. Yeah. Unless he's like reverting back to type. And until he sees everybody, he hasn't Maybe. heard anything. Maybe. At which point Coleman, uh, oh, he sees Billy Ray, gets up, strangles him. Eddie Murphy, great little performance. It was the Dukes. It was the Dukes. <laughs> Coleman confirms it. And Aykroyd's plan is, didn't work yesterday, but I'm going to try it again. I'm going to shoot some people. <laughs> and he's, got, he's getting out the hunting rifles. And Eddie Murphy's like, it strikes me the best way to hurt rich people is to turn them into poor people. And they're interrupted by a report on uh, the upcoming orange juice oh, crop just, report. Yeah. I call bullshit that this would be a news story you would interrupt for on Christmas Day. Exactly. <laughs> I call bullshit too. <laughs> but maybe has got a meme, right? I don't think I've ever seen a report on the upcoming orange crop no. report. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> And this is like in an era before cable news. Yeah. It's not even like you have like the financial channel on. Like maybe no. then you'd go, all right, they're going to have it tomorrow. But this is just like, it's like four channels or something <laughs> like that. Uh, it's going to be delivered via a train. So let's go to the train. Al Franklin uh, Franken is one of the baggage handlers. He was on Saturday Night Live. He would later go on to be a U.S. senator. Wow. He's the one who's complaining he doesn't get to drive enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did think I recognized him. This was originally supposed to be Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas from the McKenzie Brothers from SCTV. Oh, Rick Moranis, yeah. Yeah, which is the second film we've done where we've talked about how Rick Moranis was supposed to be in it. Do you yeah. remember what the first one was? <sighs> we've already talked about it this podcast. Breakfast Club. It is Breakfast Club. He was supposed to be yes, the janitor. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he decided he wanted to be like this Russian janitor. With like, like completely went off the deep end. Yeah, went, that's no. right. Yeah. Um, so when they fell through, Dan Aykroyd uh, or Eddie Murphy, uh, it's a, a two different stories here, I recommended the two guys we got from their SNL days. Um, you could tell they were SNL guys. Yes, I think so. Just had by that, the demeanor. I imagine a lot of it was just yeah. let the cameras roll and yeah. see what they do. Uh, at which point then Beeks is sitting down, the other Breakfast Club alumni in this film mm-hmm. is sitting down, and all the characters are coming out one at a time. And first we have Billy Ray who comes in as a Cameroon exchange student saying Merry Jerky. <laughs> Sorry, not Merry Jerky, Merry New Year. <laughs> and he does this song, and then it starts goes, Beef Jerky time. <laughs> you want beef jerky? I would love some beef jerky. Mm. Um, and then Coleman's an Irish priest, and he's the one who actually Beeks shouldn't know. 
Yeah. Yeah, so he could have come in yeah. as himself. Yeah. But I guess everybody else got a costume and a foreign accent <laughs> to play with, so he Such wants one too. Such a bad accent as well. What? Okay, which one? Okay, we'll talk about that in a minute. Which one was the worst? Yeah. Uh, then we have Inga from Sweden. Sweden in Lederhosen. We're in Lederhosen. Sure? <laughs> Ophelia, pretending to be a European exchange student to full beaks, was improvised. Originally, it was supposed to be German, but she could not pull off a German accent. <laughs> so they switched to Swedish because she could sort of do it. I like it. They keep part of the costume as well, then. <laughs> Maybe that's why they do the whole you're wearing later yeah, hosen because they I, would wear later hosen in Germany wouldn't you yeah yeah absolutely yeah. I love that oh, I like that too <laughs> and then enter Dan Aykroyd in blackface <sighs> so here's the question because we don't come no one you don't really hear about this that much why did oh, I don't see the need for it I think it's supposed to be that Winthorpe is too easily recognizable okay so what can you do now the answer is not put him in blackface no at the time it still seems to be something that I don't remember a whole lot of examples of it growing up, but I do remember this one. Because you could have had him as like some sort of hippie guy. You could have or, had him, you could have put like a beard on him. Yeah, and or, some glasses. Yeah. You, know, you could have done something. It seemed, I yeah, think for some, I don't know why they all had to be in the car as well. It seems yeah. weird that all, like, I, I get, a mixed I get why she has to be, I get why she has to be in there. Yeah. Like, unless you're thinking if we have as many people as possible, we might just – I think it just tips them off more and more and more, especially because yeah. you can see like the white kind of like collar line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> So the question is do we – do people forgive this more because Eddie Murphy's there and does his presence in a way almost sign off on it? There's a yeah. similar situation in a TV show called um, Scrubs. Yeah. Where uh, the, the lead character who's played, his name's JD, and he's played by, oh, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Oh, is that the guy from. Um... Zach Braff is the guy's name. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and because he's pl- he puts on blackface, Clueless. but he's. The, the black guy's from Clueless. Yeah, yes. Yeah. The guy you're talking about who's in it with. Yeah, yeah. His Same name's, thing like his name's Murphy was. Donald, Donald yeah, Faison. Yeah, he yeah, is yeah. the black guy beside yeah, yeah, yeah. him. Now, Zach Braff gets a little bit more grief, but probably because it was 2000 and something. Yeah. And thinking you could still pull that off. And the, the, and he and Donald Faison are best friends, and I don't know if I've ever if they've ever heard if heard them talk about it. I'd be very curious to hear Ackroyd talk or Murphy talk about how they feel about this scene. Yeah, yeah. But I think because Murphy's there, we all went, "Oh, Eddie says it's okay, therefore it's okay." Yeah. As if that speaks for 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 everybody. For everybody, yeah. yeah. So interesting one. I, I didn't find any humor in it. I'm. I imagine audiences at the time did. Mm. Yeah, again, humor's different. I mean, I was Especially talking to my dad. He's, he's got like the, the braids. Sorry, I cut you off. I was Go talking ahead. to my dad last night about humor and comedians these days and how things have changed. And humor isn't the way we see the world now yep. is not funny how we look back on it. No, no, humor's so it's, it's contextual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you ever go back and watch, like, um, is it Harry Hill? Is that the guy's name? Oh, the brain brain surgeon. Yeah. Oh, Benny Hill. Benny Hill. Hey. You go back and look at that. Harry Hill's another comedian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you go back and look at that. I mean, that's that's not funny. You no, know what I mean? Like, uh, I, just think, sleazy. I think. I think. It's the, like in in Pretty Woman the other day, we were talking about the TV show that she's watching and laughing hysterically at. Yeah, I love Lucy. I love yeah. Lucy. Yeah. 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 Humor's humor's contextual to a, to a time and what's considered funny and appropriate and all these things kind of change i mean a lot of the jokes i mean you think of some of the jokes that were taking place even in friends during, during our lifetime yeah there's some homophobic jokes in yeah, friends yeah. and they got played for lots of laughs yeah and now you'd go oh that's that that hasn't aged well has it no so um or even um i was watching something the other day i forget what it was how much mother 
and it was the idea that the the word tranny was being used as oh. punchline, and I'm like, mm. it wouldn't happen today, jeez. No, no, and I think more recently we've got a lot of um, comedians talking about like you know male female dynamics, and um, you know people kind of mocking men for various things, and I think you'll start to see that being. I do wonder on a side note as well where where humor's headed. Yeah, because I don't know what's. Not that uh, by no means am I sitting here saying misogyny should be up for grabs or, no, or, 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 or transphobia. Yeah. I, I do it I do subscribe a little something. I do subscribe a little bit towards that uh oh what's his name from the British office? Oh Ricky Gervais. Uh, Ricky yeah. Gervais. Ricky Gervais's idea of it, it's 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 a joke. And jokes aren't designed to be the way I think. A joke is designed to be funny. Jimmy Carr is the same thing for anybody over here in the UK. These, these, more these guys have comedians who are going, the purpose of my joke is to make you laugh. It's not a commentary on what's appropriate in regular life. Yeah. yeah. And therefore you can push the envelope. And these are two guys who do push the envelope. And sometimes I go, that, that, that's a bit far, man. But, yeah. over, but, but overall, I like the idea that humor still has to exist for humor to exist. I get times someone has to, now, again, I no point am I saying. Therefore, I think trans jokes are funny. I'm not saying that, no. but I'm saying I do wonder where humor is headed. If you can't make fun of male female dynamics, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you can't do yeah. the whole, you know what the problem with women is, or no problem with men is ladies. Yeah. You go well. well the, the, the minute you start going, well, that doesn't include all men because it could be this no, or it could no, be no, that. No, it could yeah. be that. And I'm going yes, but that's not the point of his joke. This is just a joke to say this is this is something that you know could be funny for 98 percent of you know, it's. it's, it's these aren't real statements about men and women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I've gone on a massive tangent. No. I think your tangent is going to be better than what's coming up next. Yeah. Really? What's, what's, what's that? I mean, this is the – on the train? Yeah. Right. So that we've had them all come out and, they've yeah, we've had the, 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 the blackface. And then Beaks figures out the briefcase switch. Now, there's already been one briefcase switch of some sort because they give – they give Ackroyd something in the toilet. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the first one was for him not to see, and then the second one was for him to see. He was supposed to see it. Yeah. So is the surprise that he has a gun? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because otherwise he could have just left and done his job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because there's, there's, there's nothing that just stops him from going ahead and taking it, it, the one and delivering it off. Yeah. He All was right. supposed to see the second one, but not the first one. Okay. Why was he supposed to see the second one? No idea. But because just, that way he thinks – I don't know why it was important for him to think he's foiled the plan because he's yeah. not expecting them to have a plan. No. No. They just left and he didn't know who they were. What difference would it make? Well, yeah. If you just went, oh, nothing that moment. Off I go to my meeting. Like why do you have to – I don't understand I don't, that. I don't get that. Either. Yeah. Um, so he leads him to a gorilla cage and the gorilla had been established earlier in the film as being transported by the two worst uh, baggage handlers that oh, ever were. I hate were. this part. Um, and what also, also conveniently, Why? we've got Jim Belushi. It's a costume party yeah. on New Year's Eve, and every time we go back to the party, they're playing the locomotion. They must have only had one song. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got a single. Play it all night. Little Eva. Um, and so the gorilla then sees the fake gorilla, Jim Belushi, who's trying to come in and be like, "It's a party. What are you doing?" And the gorilla is so convinced that this is a real gorilla, but it attacks. Now, first off. The real gorilla, I say in finger quotes, is obviously just a guy in a suit as well. Or animatronics or no, something. It's, it's a guy in so a suit. Yeah. It was definitely yeah. a guy in a suit. I don't understand yeah. this scene. Why? They need to write themselves. I think, again, I think it's that kind of humor. I don't know. I don't like it. Because I think they're paying this off, which is the idea is they put beaks in yeah, the... Yeah, I know, but what? Knowing he's going to be... Now, this is funny. He's going to be raped by the big gorilla. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. This is why G. <laughs> yeah, this is why G. Gordon Liddy didn't do the film. Oh, uh, okay. He's like, I'm not doing it if I'm ending up in that suit. No, not obviously nothing happens, but the yeah, assumption, yeah, yeah, but just yeah. the the inference that it happened. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not it's not, it's not just you know it's a male gorilla and you're a male human being. It's also bestiality. It's yeah, also yeah, you know, yeah. no, I don't think so. But it doesn't make any sense that you would play on the fact that you've got a guy in a gorilla suit when clearly the real gorilla, I use finger quotes for benefit people listening, is not a real gorilla. Yeah. It just looks ridiculous. It does. does. You can't suspend any disbelief there. Just because the pretend gorilla looks really bad doesn't mean the the real one looks real. Jim Belushi is way too cool having his his outfit stolen. (laughs) I know he's like, look at me. But you'd be like... It's still January, man. Yeah. It's going to be cold out. (laughs) Um, It's a really good costume for a New Year's Eve party, actually. Keep you warm. (laughs) Yeah. So when uh, so there's there's a scene that's kind of like something out of like you know um, Deep Throat kind of like Watergatey where they meet down in the in the garage and trade yeah. over and you know the, the 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 Duke brothers are really really happy I and mean, we go to the trading scene and so when Winthrop and Valentine arrive at the World Trade Center which first off World Trade Center yeah Winthrop tells Valentine in this building it's either kill or be killed this line was removed Ouch. from some television broadcast after 2001 out of respect for victims of the yeah. September 11th attacks. Now, you can, you can make an argument. This is too sensitive. You can make an argument. It's totally respectful. I think whichever one you go with, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. If you choose that, fine. Fair, fair, fair play. I got no judgment on you. If you go, it's a joke, and therefore people obviously know that's not the intention. It's being metaphorical. It's not the first thing I thought of. No. You know, I don't go, you know... I hear that line and I go, "Oh, that's bad." Yep, I didn't. I didn't think that at all. I just, I didn't put two and two together. And these scenes were legitimately filmed at um, Four World Trade Center. So obviously, it's only the two towers that come down. The other ones don't yeah. come down. Yeah, yeah. But they do shoot it at this at this location, and there's just an exhaustion of just noise, diegetic sound, yelling, screaming, and then like f- visual movement with lots of cutaways. How can people hear and write down what they're doing? I didn't get it. Um. I'll explain a little bit here, but yeah, I mean, uh, Ackroyd, I guess it was Ackroyd's really good here at making it seem like he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Not just when he explains it, but like actually when the when it's going on inside the pit. Yeah. Like Murphy looks like he has no clue what's going on. No. But Ackroyd, I'm like, I believe he he actually understands what his character's doing here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my question is, why do the Dukes just have the one agent? <laughs> yeah, you'd have multiple. Like, you'd have like six, wouldn't you? You would, wouldn't you, yeah. You should have Todd. <laughs> Either way, he faints. Now, this scene was shot over th- uh, uh, three to four hours a day over two days. It was supposed to take place during a weekday, but when Ackroyd and Murphy showed up on the floor of a trading center, it distracted the traders so much that over $6 billion of trading had to be halted, and it was then scheduled for a weekend. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The majority of people on the screen are actual traders, along with a couple of extras. I could see well, that. Some extras. I could see that. Landis and the traders in the film were less physically rough with each other than they were during normal trading. Wow. So what you're seeing there for, I think, is, is a, a watered-down fi- version. It, no, just the op- – Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we're seeing a watered-down yeah. version of what actually happens in yeah. real life. Yeah. Now it's all computers. But back in the yeah. day, this was how it happened. Wow. Uh, the writing pair knew the method of Winthrop and Valentine's financial victory would be confusing, but hoped that just seeing the characters smile would be enough to sort of carry them through. Yeah, I was confused by this because why yeah. was it dropping I've and they were happy that it dropped? I've never understood this and then I did the research. So oh. I've got it figured out. Okay. Because it looks like they sell a bunch of things when it costs a lot of money and they buy it when it's worth not much. But why would you want to have – why would you want to buy crappy stocks? Yeah. 
So here's what it... Well, I'll explain it in a second here. Uh, Eddie Murphy admits he had no clue what was going on and just followed the script. Yeah. Um, he found the whole idea of commodities trading confusing. The bell, the bell goes and Billy Ray reveals the bet. The bet was that we both couldn't get rich and put you in the poorhouse at the same time. Uh, and it's for $1. They have $394 million in... Sorry, this, well, the, the brothers have to pay $394 million in cash. They can't do it. Randolph starts having a heart attack and they go, your brother, your brother's in a rough way. He goes, fuck, <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> Amici was opposed to using foul language and often apologized in advance to, to his crewmates for what he was scripted to say. He only Aww. performed one take of his final scene where he shouts, fuck him. He refused Aww. to do a second show. Now, this is a guy who says the the heavy yeah. N-word once yes. and the diet N-word if you want to, like, like yeah, two yeah, or yeah. three times. Yeah. Like, I'm like, <laughs> weird, isn't it? It is weird. So Generational thing, I maybe. guess, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like me, I'll say, I'll, I'll, I'll quote "fuck him." Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quoting the other words. No, because yeah. we did talk about this, didn't we? We did. We did talk. What do we do with this? You know, if and it's I in went, context of something, <sighs> do we or don't we? And we decided not to. Decided not to. Yeah. Something about broad. Yeah. No, it's not a word I use in my in, in our vocabulary in, at all. In, in my, my not, vocabulary. No. Um. So I, I, I do generally as a teacher go if it's in the script, you, you talk about it. Yeah. I got no. Pro- I just one. I'm just not comfortable saying. No, it's just yeah. Same. I agree. Yeah. So um, the story about the Duke's Corner in the Orange Market was actually inspired, we think, by the Silver Thursday market crash of March 27th, 1980, when the Hunt brothers of Texas tried to corner the silver market and subsequently also failed to meet their margin call of 100 million dollars. Wow. So it's a bill you got to pay. So here's the ending. It's a bit of a real a read, but this okay. explains it, okay? Yeah, go on. Because several publications have tried to explain how they were able to make some money while also bankrupting the Duke. So here's what happens. The fake crop report is created by Valentine and Winthorpe, indicates to the Dukes the orange crop will be poor, making the limited stock more valuable. The Dukes then attempt to buy up as many frozen concentrated orange juice contracts as they can to corner the market because when supply goes down, the price goes up. Yeah, makes sense. Okay. The other brokers realize what they're doing and also buy in these futures, and that inflates the price to $1.42 a pound. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Winthrop and Valentine begin selling futures at this price. Now, futures means you don't own it yet. Oh, okay. So once they sell it, they're on the hook that at some point they have to buy it. Because oh, okay. they're selling something they don't yet own. Oh, so they're selling so the it at end the, of the high price, but yeah. they're going to buy it so the when it gets you, to the low. The minute you sell, they're promising at some point they're going to buy. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, the people who buy it from them when they sell are going to promise they're going to buy it for that price at some point in the future, as is earmarked by the agreement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now they don't have that it to sense. buy yet, but that's okay because you can do this in reverse. Yeah, because it's not like I'm saying I have a can of beer by myself, Liam. If you want this, I will give this to you. Yeah. No, say somewhere in the future you will buy a beer that I have for three pounds. Yeah. Now if I get that beer tomorrow for twenty five p. That doesn't matter. You've promised to buy a beer off me for three pounds. Yeah. So that's basically what happens here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then when it's revealed that the orange crop is fine, everybody wants to get out and sell what they've bought. But because they've done it in reverse, um, Billy Ray, they can now buy the orange that At they're the now cheap. going to sell. Yeah, yeah, they've yeah. already sold. Yeah, yeah. So this is where they make their killing. So basically what happens to them the exact reverse happens to the Duke brothers, the Duke brothers because yeah. they've bought it at that inflated price and now can't sell it. And when they finally do, and they don't have the money to cover the the, the difference between your buy and your sell price yeah, is yeah. what's called your margin. 
So that's basically what happened. <sighs> now, in order for this to happen, though, you have to have a little bit of money to back it up because they have to have something to justify some of it, yeah. which is why you get Coleman and Ophelia giving them their life savings. Uh, that lets them basically come yeah, to the yeah. poker table. Yes, yes, yes. Does that make sense? Yep. So that's the ending. And it took me until this time to research it to go, because I've never understood oh, I this. never understood it. But now you've explained it, it makes sense. But why have we got to do this for it to be explained? I don't think you want to sit there and listen to this in a movie. Yeah. So why make it the plot? Like, yeah. oh. They didn't. You could argue the plot's really about nature versus nurture. Well, it is, but they could have based it around a different industry or something, couldn't they? And yeah. just made it a bit yeah. more entertaining storyline. So we finish, and uh, we're on two boats. The first boat, there's some gorillas headed to Africa as part of a scientific experiment. <laughs> yeah. And there's two, and they're in love. Now, at what point, I mean, I don't care. At some point, Beaks is going to do some sort of hand language, whether it's wave or throw up a middle finger or do something to suggest they are intelligent. One, two, three, four, five. Something to go, I'm a human being in here. But if his hands are free, why doesn't he take the head thing off? That's a great question. Or just talk? <laughs> Can he not talk? I'm no, assuming he's, he's got gagged. tape on his mouth, yeah. Okay. But his hands but are he free? Could go, surely he could go like, ah! Yeah. But his hands know. are free? Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's I supposed to be, And at which point I'm going, that's, that's too far. Beaks has punished too much. Yeah. I know yeah. he ruined someone's life, but he's punished too much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we go to the other boat scene, which is a beach on St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Nice. And um, Coleman has a very young foreign very young. girl. Um, and they ask him what he wants. And it seems like he's the servant for a moment. But then you find out, no, no, no. And he's got his own servant. And again... Yeah, it's, I know. It, it's a visible minority. <laughs> yeah, this one's, yeah. I think, I think he's Hispanic. This one, I think so. Yes, sir, Mister Coleman, sir. Right away, <laughs> primo choice. Everyone's partnered up. Billy Ray's got some random girl beside him. Coleman's got some random girl with him, and then like hundreds of feet away, there is a boat that has a live Ophelia and uh, Lewis. Lewis, yeah, and Lewis goes. Looking good, Billy Ray. And just holding up a glass. Yeah. And he goes, feeling good, Lewis. And I think you said exactly what was going through my head. <laughs> it's crazy. There's no fucking chance they can hear each no other. No way. <laughs> no fucking chance. No. And that is the movie. It's got plot holes. A lot. Um, it's, got, it's got issues. It's yeah, got issues. It's got issues, yeah. I still really liked it. I still really liked it, but there's parts of this movie I don't like. I never liked when I was a kid. The gorilla thing just... The gorilla thing felt, felt even when I was a kid, it's just too silly. Yeah, it felt I wrong. never went, ha, 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 ha. No, I didn't. And maybe, no. because the time I'm seeing it... I, and they kept banging on with the same joke. I'm nine, it's 90-something when I see it for the first time. Yeah, At least same. the way I appreciate it, maybe humor shifted by then. Ugh. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of the 80s as far as... Fil- I find films in the 80s to be kind of eh in general. Mm. Um... Some tidbits, this film is broadcast every Christmas Eve on Italia One. Really? And and always draws at least 10% of the viewers. Wow. Yeah, it does well. So is it a Christmas movie? I think it's a so. nice little tradition. Yep. Yeah. The Weston Hotel in Philadelphia has a restaurant named Winthorpe and Valentine. Oh, that's yeah. nice. And then in 2010, this film was referenced in the congressional testimony concerning the reform of the commodities trading designed to prevent the insider trading demonstrated in trading places. <laughs> Since the movie inspired this rule, it has become known as the Eddie Murphy oh. rule. Oh, okay. Now, on a side note, though, 
do these two guys not break the law? Because obviously they're operating with knowledge of what's happening. Yeah. So yeah. They, they're um, guilty of insider trading. <laughs> they I break, only just realized they, the double yeah. meaning in the title. What, trading places? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Maybe we should do title talk with, with, yeah. with, with Ellie as a new, uh, as a new thing. <laughs> so Jordan, oh so Jordan's, Jordan's got face blindness. Trading. I was like, trading? Like trading place? Oh. There we go. <laughs> So, um, time for the end game. Uh, so it won a couple of awards. It won Best Supporting Actor Ooh. at the BAFTAs. Not at the Oscars, but the BAFTAs for uh, um, oh, Denim Elliott, Coleman. Really? Who I thought was really good in this. So, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I wouldn't think I was Best Supporting Actor. And Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, really? Yeah. Where did they won it? Like, weren't even nominated for, like, Oscars. That's weird. Yeah. Hmm. Um, the money, it was only a $15 million budget. Any guesses? Um... The yeah, exactly. Um, in 83, 15 mil is a pretty big budget. Oh, okay. <laughs> 67 million. 67 million, about four and a half times. Okay. Yeah. Ellie? 100 million. 90 million. 90.4. And that's all domestic. We can't, we can't track internationals wow. at this era. We, didn't have, we don't have financials if you go back this far. Wow. So it's the fourth highest grossing film of the year, 83. Hmm. You want to guess what one of those are? Uh, Superman 3? Nope. Um, 83. What a feeling. Bam, 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 oh, bam, oh, 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 oh. Flash dance. Flashdance. <laughs> Flashdance was three. Terms of Endearment was two. Yeah. And number one. Ba, 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 Superman. Three. It's not Superman. Two. It's not Superman. Oh, uh, Empire Strikes Back. Next one. Return of Jedi. Return of Jedi. <laughs> You're good with actors, but boy, bad with movie years. <laughs> uh, everybody benefits except for John Landis from this. So Aykroyd would go on to do Ghostbusters. Which he co-wrote. Yeah. Dragnet, The Great Outdoors. He yeah. gets a nice comedy sort of run throughout the 80s and a fair bit of the 90s. Yeah, my girl. Uh, Eddie, with Jamie Lee Curtis. My girl, yeah, yeah. Um, Eddie Murphy goes on to become one of the highest paid comedians in Hollywood. He would do and Beverly, Hills Cop. A whole, Beverly Hills Cop, yeah. uh, Coming to America, yeah, yeah, with John Landis, yeah, all sorts of stuff. Uh, he gets a pretty good run until about the mid nineties, and then he starts to fall off a little bit. But due to um, Shrek, he still gets. Yep, and now he's know. back again. He was Oscar nominated. He's 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 doing well now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did Dreamgirls as well. So props. He to did. Him. Yeah, that was good. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis would go on to do A Fish Called Wanda off the back of this film. Yeah. And she's great in that. She is phenomenal. Uh, yeah. Don Amici would later go on to win the Academy Award for Platoon. Wow. Yeah. Best Supporting Actor, I believe it was. Yeah. It's better to get work when they don't think you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I still like Cocoon. And then there was an issue that happened just before um, this, I believe, started filming on the Twilight Zone movie. Oh, okay. Um, where there was a horrible accident and several people died. And John Landis was the director. Is this the helicopter yes. with the kid and stuff? Yes. Like? Yes. I do so a helicopter this. crashes or something and kills yeah. four people. Yeah. So Landis wanted Murphy to testify as a character witness on his behalf, or at least show up in the trials as a show of support, but Murphy refuses. Murphy later told Playboy magazine, and I quote, As it turned out, John always resented I hadn't gone to his Twilight Zone trial. I never knew that. I thought we were cool. But he'd been harboring it for a year. Every now and then, he would make little remarks like, you don't help me out. You don't realize how close I was to going to jail. I never paid any mind. 
Murphy goes on to subtly indict Landis in the same interview, or at least assign some of the blame in the interview. Quote, I don't want to say who was guilty or who was innocent, but if you're directing a movie and two kids get their heads chopped off at 12 o'clock at night when there ain't supposed to be kids working, and you said action, then you have some sort of responsibility. So my principals wouldn't let me go down there and sit in court. That's just the way I am. Got a point. Yeah, but then he also got to do two more movies with him. Bit of a weird yeah, one. Bit of a weird one. Yeah. So let's go into the end game. Um, whose story is this? Um, if it's one of it, it's one of the two. Which one is it? Ooh. Lewis. Okay. I think it's more Lewis than Valentine, but you spend more time in Lewis's world than you do Valentine's world. Oh, that's interesting. You know what I mean? That is interesting. You also see more of Lewis's downfall and the kind of struggle he has okay. to go through. Yeah. I wasn't going to go Lewis, but you know what's tipping the point in my favor? Go on. Lewis gets a girl. Billy doesn't. Mm. Yeah, he does. Billy yeah. gets yeah, yeah. money. Yeah, yeah. Lewis gets the money back and a girl, a good girl. Yeah. I mean, Billy gets a girl, but we don't know who she is. So well, Billy, not really. Billy has a girl for that <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably the same place Coleman got his girl. <laughs> Just lay there. I mean, even the, at least Coleman's girl got a line. Yeah. Why not both? <laughs> um, so, is this film racist? Yes. Yeah, yeah, but... Yes, but it's... For its time, it's not that racist. Uh, see, I'm inclined to go it's not racist. It's just of its time. Yeah. Yeah. For us now looking at it, yeah. it is. I think 1980s humor and 1980s culture is much more race-related. Yeah. I didn't like how some of the characters talked. No. But then again... I think that's making a point, though, when yeah. they talk, because as you say, they're kind of the villains of the piece. Yeah. No, no, I mean, I don't like how... Sorry, I don't like... There's a line. I, you don't... Not, it's not cool to be such a jive turkey this close to Thanksgiving, is the oh, line. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't yeah, like yeah, that yeah, line. Yeah. I hated that scene. Yeah. Again, um, product of its time, I think. Maybe. It's just difficult once a white person put in those lines. Yeah, but then yeah, again, yeah, that, yeah. that's who's writing it. Oh, yeah. It's still a really funny movie. It's still, yeah. It's, it's just, it's just, yeah. it's got problems. Oh, um, yeah. Best character? Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay. Why? I liked her because obviously she's, you met her as this prostitute who you'd think would have no morals, no this, no that, yeah. do anything for money, and yet she has every single bit of moral. I'll tell you this. We did Pretty Woman a couple of years ago. Not a couple of years ago, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I was going to say, wow. A couple of weeks ago. I preferred this prostitute story to her prostitute story. I agree. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say, I preferred this prostitute to that prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I preferred her story. You know what I mean? She yeah. was a little bit more... Because she wasn't... I think it's the idea that she didn't go like, you treat me like I'm a pro, you yeah. know, Ophelia knows who she is. She is, yeah. yeah. Um, so so you said her Ophelia though, right? Ophelia, yeah. Okay. I guess for the majority of the film, she's not really playing a prostitute per se, is she? It's kind of who she is, but she's not, you know, she's yeah, not at fine. work. We, 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 we only see one instance. I mean, you skipped over it. There's the guy who comes over and she says that her mom's in town and is sick and da 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 Puts the wig back on for that. Yes, she yeah. does. Yeah. Uh, Ellie, favorite character? Um, I'm torn between Ophelia and Coleman. Um, oh, okay. The two BAFTA winners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think probably Ophelia as well. Um, I really like kind of the 
she stands her ground and she's sort of I think although it sounds like an odd thing to say of a prostitute but she knows her sense of self-worth okay like she doesn't she doesn't let people treat her badly she knows what she's in it for um you know she's demanding the money but so she's not she's not necessarily like a good person but she right you know she's very clear about it she's very honest and she just goes after what she wants but also at the beginning when you see her with dan Aykroyd and she says about the money at one point she turned around and go you're on your hard times don't worry about it honestly forget it yeah she's a good you person know? yeah I'm going to go with, oh, it's hard. I'm going to give, if I could split, I'm going to give an honorable mention. I'm going to cheat. Honorable mention to Don Amici. Yeah. As, as Mortimer. The film needed a villain, and he's the best one of the bunch. Yeah. He is. And that bit about your brother, sick. Fuck, fuck him. him. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. Makes me, makes me laugh every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though I know what's coming. Uh, if you're going to do one take, good take. Yeah, good take. And, it, you know, he says the things that are the harder things to say. You know, Randolph is this sort of intellectual who's caught between both. Like, Mortimer's not. Mortimer's a scumbag. Yeah. But the the film needs a scumbag because it's a story of two guys overcoming that. Exactly. Uh, and then I'm going to go with Billy uh, Billy Ray Valentine is my choice, though. I think it's Eddie Murphy gets all the best punchlines in this film. He does, but I think that's more him, not... Oh, I think so. Do you know what I mean? That's him... Ad libbing. I, I don't know how to. Wait, is, 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 I don't know. Is, every, is, is there a problem, officers? It's probably written for him. <clears throat> and so it's the idea about the character is both what's on the page plus what the actor puts into it. And so yeah. as a result, you put it in the blender. I like what Eddie Murphy did with it. And, uh, I'll I like that. what Eddie Murphy did. I like what but they both did, yeah. to be fair. They work good as a duo. It's nice to see him in another movie together. Best moment, best element? My favorite moment was the Jamie Lee Curtis taking her top off. I love that moment. Okay. Uh, my worst moment. <laughs> oh, we're, we're not going there. Oh. <laughs> her, what was the worst? What was when, the next scene when her top was still on again? <laughs> we'll go back to that. Ellie. Um, I think probably the bit where, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis and Lewis are first together. And when, you know, when she's in the taxi and she looks at his hands. Yeah. Um, nice. and she sort of takes pity on him, not because she feels like he's deserving, but just because she realizes, you know, she's his only hope because he's just complete mess of a person mm, my turn go for it i've gushed about the score a lot score was great yeah i'm gonna go with i love i love a prince and a pauper kind of concept mm-hmm. i love any film where people switch places and switch identities and it could be freaky friday it could be yeah. big oh, it could be 18 again yeah. it could be and it could be Man of the Iron Mask. Anything where two people switch yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. concepts and have to learn how to live in the other person's shoes. I just like that concept. And it's not often you get it with such genuine comedy outside of us as well. And I liked that. So that's my choice. Um, Grumble. Liam, was your choice? <sighs> the Gorilla. Such a pointless scene. Hated it. Sorry, which scene was this? The Gorilla. Oh, The Gorilla. Okay, oh. yeah. And they just kept harping on it back at it. And I keep going back at it. And it's like, she just... Drop the joke. It's and not funny. It actually lengthened the third act. <sighs> oh my god, so yeah. much. I thought you could cut that out. Just get do a do a quick switch in the train. I don't yeah. need I mean, any of that. None of the costumes. Have Liam and Jamie Lee Curtis come in her Olga outfit. Someone just swaps the things, you're done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oops, I have to go now. Off she runs. Bum that's in the it. face or whatever, and then off you go. And, 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 but but that's it, you know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just didn't get it. And he's uh, come up and says he goes to jail. Hooray. Excellent. Who's come up and says? Beaks. Beaks doesn't go to jail. Beaks goes to no. Africa. Oh, you mean no, in, the, in the rewrite. In the, in the rewrite. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
rather oh. than being raped by a gorilla. Yeah, and they ex- I thought perhaps the more appropriate penalty. Well, you, you can't expose. That's the problem is you can't expose them. You have to get rid of them. I don't know how. To, anyway, know. I'm not fixing that. I didn't like that. Didn't. Okay, fair enough, know. Ellie. Well, I completely agree about the gorilla. Um, but also, just this is this has really made me realise I just really hate films about stock markets. <laughs> That's true. You didn't like The Big Short. No, and I don't like um, Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, okay. Like, just, ugh, hate it. So Wall Street's next week's choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, I'm busy. <laughs> my grumble is... Is the party scene? Is the scene where everybody comes home from the from the bar? Yeah, home with him. Yeah, I felt it wanted to say that poor people were freeloaders, but it didn't. It showed me that black people were freeloaders. Yeah, and that was my issue. And then to watch Billy be so because he was just like this when they put him in the car. Yeah, and you can say it's the first step in him moving, but it's it's like the fifth step in him moving. I just want there too. I think you said it was too quick. I would agree with that too logic. Quick. It's just too quick. Who he forgets? Not who he was, but like his personality wouldn't change on a dime. No. And what's the moral then? Is the moral because apparently it's not half the movie is having movie makes you a dick, but half the movie seems to be if you don't have money you're a dick. Yeah. So what's the what, what's the uh, unless you're a prostitute Everyone's you're going to be a, a dick. Prostitutes and butlers are the only nice people yeah. in this world. Yeah. Yeah. Is this anybody's best role ever? Uh, the butler. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 that's all I know him from. Yeah, same. Don Amici? I'm gonna, I'll say him. No, he was best in Cocoon. I've never seen Cocoon. Oh, I love Cocoon. Oh, is it good? Yeah, it's good. Um, well, he... And we'll see them later, potentially, if we review another film. Yes. There's a cameo with yeah. these characters, yeah. Um. Eddie Murphy is better in uh, see, unlike Dan Aykroyd. I think Eddie Murphy is better on his own. So I he, love coming to America. He's good in Forty Eight Hours. He's good in buddy movie. He shows he can do Beverly buddy Hills movies. Cop. He's Beverly, great. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess that's about it for, for oh, Jamie Lee Curtis is better in Fish Called Wanda. Yes, yeah. and and True Lies. True Lies. <laughs> Pretend your hands are hover <laughs> on your body. It's the only line I come back to every time. <laughs> I don't know why. Made an impact on me. Yeah, I mean. Um, the one I haven't seen with her in, though, is Perfect with John Travolta. Is that right? Well, it's a lot of I haven't seen her in. I haven't seen Freaky Friday all the way through. Oh, that's not too bad. Age game, age game. Let's all oh, play the age, age game. game. Okay, okay. Let's start with Dan Aykroyd, Lewis Winthorpe. Oh, we were kind of talking about this. 32. Hmm. 34. 31. Hey! See, he looks a lot older than us, though. I said he was going to be considerably you did, younger didn't you? us. I forget we're 40. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> Next one. Uh, Eddie Murphy. Oh, 21. I'll go a little bit higher. I'll say twenty. I'll say 23, so there's a middle ground. But the difference. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I should have gone 22. Uh, yeah. uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh. Done a fair bit. 27. She's opposite Aykroyd. I'm going to go 26. 25. Okay. There we go. Ooh. Very close on all of these yeah. guys. Yeah. Uh, Denim Elliott. Ooh. So Coleman. Ooh. 55. Oh, I think you're high. 50. 61. What? <laughs> no. Wow. wow. Yeah. At, least, at least we're younger than him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good job. Gee, he looks good. He does, doesn't he? Oh, to be fair, yeah, I think does. I hit a liver spot at one point. I didn't yeah, notice that. Did. Yeah, okay, did. yeah, yeah I, I should have noticed that. Um, Ralph Bellamy. Oh, Ooh. these guys hit me hard. Six- you know, he seemed older in this than in Pretty Woman. He did, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> 60. 
five. You're low, 73. 79. Wow. How old is yeah. he in Pretty Woman? Like 89? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, didn't he die the year it came out? Or yeah, he died. He did, it was yeah. his last yeah. film. It was his last yeah. film, yeah. Um, and Don Amici. Oh, 72. I'm going to go 79. 75. Oh, you got that one. Ooh. I think I took slightly, it's not very often I win the age game. No. So, hey, how about that? A uh, couple things from the critics. Uh, it received generally positive reviews. Reviewers were consistent in praise for the central cast, and they appreciated the screwball comedy element. Um, criticism lacked on the film uh, having the same moral message of the genre while also promoting that getting rich makes you win. <laughs> so at the end of the day, money wins. Yeah. But how do you, back to Eddie Murphy's point, how do you punish rich people? You're talking about the poor people. I guess the argument is, do you then have to get rich? Well, I guess why not in the process? But yeah. <laughs> Uh, Roger Ebert said the ending was inventive for not involving a manic chase. Uh, he appreciated that Trading Place does not rely on obvious racial plot points or empty sitcom tropes for the social status swaps of Winthrop and Valentine. He commended the focus on developing each character so that they were funny because of their individual quirks and personalities. He also concluded that this required a deeper script than would normally be developed for a comedy. And he said, but could have been stereotypical characters were elevated by the actors and the writing, adding that Murphy and Aykroyd made a perfect team. Mm. They're not together enough no. to be a team in my eyes. Until, no. until near the end. Um, so in the <clears> years <throat> since its release, the film has been reassessed in positive and negative terms. It's been praised as one of the greatest comedy films and greatest Christmas films ever made. But retrospective assessments have criticized its use of racial jokes and language. Yeah. So all that I have to do now is I have to look up our critics who said a couple things about this. Here we go. The Paul and Griff Show say, amazing cast, amazing comedy. Yes, it has some issues that aren't acceptable in today's world, but it's still a lot of fun. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree. Yeah. And then defining Disney podcast, just say that their producer loves this movie with loves all in caps. <laughs> so that's really uh, what we've got as far as that goes. And then uh, now we've just got uh, our ratings, our ratings. Um, Liam, why don't you start us off? I will give this film a strong Jamie Lee Curtis seven weeks. Seven weeks? Okay. <laughs> yeah, seven. Oh, so, okay, good. Seven. I, I, I thought I'd give this higher, but watching it now, um, hmm. so I'd have gone for like an eight. But I was toying with seven and a half, but I think seven is a bit more, yeah. Because okay. I really hate the ending. All right. And I didn't realize how much yeah. I hate the ending until I watched it again. Fair enough. Ellie? It gets worse as it goes on, I think. Um, I have given it a five and a half. Mm. Um, I, didn't, I didn't hate it. Wow. But there were, uh, well, I did hate the gorilla and, uh, yeah, the stock stuff. No. Um, so there were enjoyable moments in it, but it wasn't good enough to kind of rate it any higher for wow. me. I have a lot of positive thoughts about this one. I'm going to give it eight more years on my back out of ten. Oh, that's okay. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm usually a generous one. I don't think I'd be this one, you, but I seem to you be. You like a stock market film, though. <laughs> I do like a stock market film. I went into this, though, thinking eight, you know? I, I remember it with fond memories. I do like the rich-poor dynamic. I like the uh, the white actor-black actor dynamic. I can see yeah, why yeah. they wanted Wilder and Pryor. And Pryor, yeah. Uh, I, I think those dynamics can work. They come from totally different worlds, not just financially, but also socially. Yeah. And I think as a result, there can be a lot of comedy. I wish they'd spent more time together, and they don't. They have that opening fight where, you know, he stole my briefcase, he's under there, yeah. and it was the Dukes, it was the Dukes, yeah. and then trying to plant the drugs. There's not enough of them on the same page, and I needed... 
but a result, what, what feels like it could have been an eight and a half or a nine, gets stripped down because of that awkward train scene, uh, the horrible party scene. And again, yeah, I want the gorilla, and I think the end bit needs a little bit of explanation. I don't think yeah. the film should need that. No. Ideally. No. It's don't get me wrong. I still love the movie, and I still find it enjoyable, but... Yeah, I kind of lose interest towards the end. So so maybe it's a little bit too complicated. So thinking about next week, let's take it back to a much more simple premise. Go on. Okay. Staying in the Christmas concept. Yep. It's been, it would be a shame not to. Actually, you brought this to my attention of all things, Liam. Oh, we're going that. We're going there. Cool. So it's been 30 years. I think it'll feature heavily in a moment when we talk about, uh, we're going to stop recording this and start doing our best Christmas films ever, which will be out on Friday, our real roundtable on the best Christmas films ever. Uh, It doesn't get much more simple than defending your home from a bunch of would-be house invaders. (laughs) We are going to do for my sins. Home Alone. Home Alone. Yeah, boy. Kevin! The Wet Bandits. I cannot (laughs) promise that I will not tear this thing to pieces. I love this movie. I love it as well. Okay, I think we're down first. I think think bombs are going to be thrown here. I think the problem is with this movie, again, it's it's nostalgia for me. I was like 10, 11 when this came out. You know, I was. I'm a bit of an old soul, I think, in some ways, and I think I was always just a bit too like this is just slapstick, and I don't like slapstick. I only ever watched this as an adult, and I love it. Absolutely adore this film. I'm not big on slapstick either, but this film, the stunts in this film, is incredible because I used to look at it and I used to go, "Oh my god, they must have hurt themselves. They must have done." Mm -hmm. To be fair, I do get some legitimate. Oh, yeah, you know, (laughs) it's going to be really interesting to do the context for this one. I think, and this one. This Home Alone movie, much like the White House will be soon, is 100% Donald Trump free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Not like take, the second one. Take that for what it is. <laughs> yeah. So please join us next week when we tackle the Sticky Bandits and Kevin McAllister in Wet Home. <laughs> or the Sticky Bandits in the second one. Yeah, it's the Wet Bandits in I'm the first. I'm leaving that in. I'm leaving <laughs> that in. So please join us with the, the, the wet, soon-to-be Sticky Bandits. <laughs> in home alone Uh, so for best film ever i've been ian i've been liam and i've been ellie and i just gotta say one thing here yeah looking good liam feeling good ian (laughs) (laughs) and we're like 200 yards away with a boat Uh, (laughs) we will catch you on the flippity flap the flippity flip flop That always goes well when yeah. Liam's not expecting to be, to be thrown at and then is expecting even if I to tell him, Even if I tell him, he'll just go, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, you'll forget by the end, won't you? Yeah, I will. You're right. All right, here we go. At which point he finally comes out from underneath the Christmas tree in the middle of the club. There's like nine cops and they like all point guns on him and he just smiles and goes, <laughs> I Do you know it? No. Oh, he goes, this wasn't the bit you said you were going to point out, was it? No, no, no. That's okay, then. So, for best film ever, I've been Ian. I've been Liam. And I've been Ellie. And I just got to say one thing here. Looking good, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'll hold up the sheet so you can get this. Uh, you knew I was going to not get I this. Did. So, I'll try it again. Oh, I'm shit. Shit.